Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody and welcome to the Bird Watching Gamecast. I am Craig Borden here with Adam Corsair. How's it going, Adam? Oh, not too bad. How are you? Doing pretty good so far. We got Blue Jays baseball and we're thinking sweep, right? Oh, I'm I'm definitely uh, thinking sweep, and you know what? I'm just—I'm more confident <clears throat> in in the sweep than uh, than uh, this. Uh, I'm trying to say something crappy here. <laughs> the seven <laughs> scoreless innings that uh, Aaron Sanchez pitched yesterday, masterfully, I might add too. Oh, and um, many would probably argue that it was going to even been stolen away from him. This isn't exactly the Detroit Tigers incident with the play at first base level, but um, the so-called hit is the big question at the uh, moment for the, you know, what could have been possibly a longer no-hitter at least. True, true. Um, yeah, that's fair. But at the same time, like, it's not that I don't think there's any merit to that. It's just too early to argue about Oh, I agree. Like that, you know, like, yeah. it, I just, I'm more, look, even without the full no-no, I am confident now in Aaron Sanchez, right? Because in the beginning, in the offseason, in spring training, the narrative was, you know, are these blister issues going to pop back up? Can he, you know, rebound back into form? This should put all that to bed, right? Oh, 100%, I think. And um, if anything, through his starts, we've seen these glimpses of what came into full fruition last night anyways. Um, he more or less has had, in the one outing, he had that one bad inning, and then the rest of it was masterful right. around it, so... As far as it goes, this is the Aaron Sanchez that was in the Cy Young Award uh, chase before his inning limits in the six-man rotation in 2015 or 2016, I think. So um, it's it's the Aaron Sanchez you expected to get back. And um, we were talking about this, I think, on your show, South of the Six, over the offseason. Aaron Sanchez was really the best free agent we got over the offseason, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I was just going to say, it's like we acquired an ace for nothing. Right, oh, 100%. And this is definitely what, yeah, this is what makes the the Blue Jays rotation so robust compared to other rotations in in not just the AL East but the entire American League, right? Like, I guess you could maybe compare Cleveland to the, Toronto's rotation, but still, I I just can't see how anybody can argue that Toronto has the best rotation in the American League. It's definitely up there. Worst case scenario, you got to think, looking at it on paper, you know, I I would say one way or the other, we're better than the Yankees. And 
the Red Sox have the aging veteran thing and the wild card that is Rick Porcello. Um, it is an even year, though. Rick Porcello was a Cy Young Award winner two years ago, right? <laughs> Was this is this like the Giants argument? Yes. We're it? <laughs> and um, I made that argument with my brother. Uh, we actually had him in fantasy baseball in our league the year he won the Cy Young Award. And then um, we didn't. I'm like, I'm not drafting him this year. And he goes, Why? And I'm like, You ever looked at his stat line? It's insane. When he was even with the Tigers, it was good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah it's, it's so, so it's no, um, just, interesting to see, but I think we're getting close to game time here. So and um. Other than the Sanchez stuff last night, the offense was pretty much a sound asleep, but uh, came to life just enough at the end of the game. And Curtis Granderson, the new guy, the hero, what do you think of that? I am pretty surprised, right? And <clears throat> this is no disrespect to Curtis Granderson because, you know, he's got a pedigree that should be respected. You know, he, he's got, I wouldn't call him a legend, but he's definitely someone that ought to be respected. However... I think I'm not alone in, my, in this assessment that I was more excited about Greatchuk than Granderson, and I was expecting more from Greatchuk than Granderson. Is that fair? Oh, I think that's very fair to say. And so, Adam, they, we're getting a look at Kevin Gossman right now, and he's been a kind of a little bit of a thorn in our side the last couple of years. Mm. <laughs> he's had a couple good starts against us and a couple bad ones. <laughs> Is it is it a little irrational for me to not be scared at all to the of this yeah, Oh, I agree. At all, is it you know, despite the past, I, I mm -hmm. just, I'm not scared. Yeah. All right, we're live again. Sorry about that, everybody. And yeah, exactly. Fun with computers. Good times. So in the midst of all that fun with computers, uh, at least Curtis Granderson's having fun against Kevin Gaussman. Everybody else, not so much yet. Yep. And so. uh, Smoke got on base as well. He's chilling at first. Yep. So, uh, you know. Good old fielder's but, choices. Yeah. <laughs> there is, uh, there's no reason why the Jays should not win this game other than uh, bad luck. Like, yeah, or at least maybe even some self-inflicted stuff. I do like the lineup that we have tonight, but it is basically the B team, right? Yeah. A little but, bit anyways. I mean, it's the whole, uh, this uh, Baltimore team is just, I expect them to get worse. Like, it really wouldn't surprise me if uh, Machado got traded very uh, early on just because they're going to be so down, or maybe they might hold on to him. Until the trade deadline, but this Orioles team, I just they're gonna be so bad this year. Yeah, and as uh, Steve Pierce takes a walk from Gossman, so yeah. uh, Kevin Pillar, who is batting in the five hole tonight, that is a heck of a promotion. But when you look at the guys that are following him, it's kind of a uh, easy to see why I think this lineup is yeah. a new look lineup. But um, this is more or less what I was kind of guessing when they were. I think you might have been talking to me about how uh, they're kind of doing all the off days. It seems like on one day. Instead yep. of kind of mixing and matching, give Russell Martin a day here, <laughs> give Devin Travis a day off there, you yep. know. This exactly. is just full-on blitz of getting everybody that you would normally have in a lineup out. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I get the merit for it. I don't know that it's going to maintain throughout the entire season. I would hope that it doesn't because – Maybe for Martin, like, 
All right, so it's a catch-22. You want Martin to stay healthy, but at the same time, I don't know how comfortable I am with Maley having that many, you know, days manning behind the plate. But with Travis, you definitely want to get him right, and they definitely have the depth to sort of mitigate that. Yeah, 100%. It's Martin that I'm, yeah, Martin is, is the one that I'm just sort of, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, and um, I think the best thing about this is what you said right there, the depth. you got to give everybody a chance to get into the lineup, especially with these guys that they have. You know, Solarte has been one of the best hitters so far. Yeah, he's only been ha- he only scored a two eighty six eight uh, batting average, but just mm-hmm. come on. The timely hitting the guy's had has just been off the charts, and he hasn't even played in as many games as most of the guys. So you got to find a way to get them in, and Luke Maley has actually been showing up pretty well with the sticks so far too. So... Got to figure yeah, it out. It's, it's not sustainable, though, <laughs> I don't think, for a Maley. As much as I would like it to be, I just don't think it's sustainable. I think he's a placeholder. And um, judging from what uh, happened on the you know first opening night for the Buffalo Bisons, uh, we probably are going to see J- Danny Jansen, not Casey Jansen. <laughs> not, yes. So a lot earlier than a lot would think. He went 4-4 four for four opening night You know, after the, Blue, uh, after the Bisons couldn't play here in Rochester. Kevin Pillar has a nice little loop yeah. signal, and there you go. Got something going with the two outs. And Smokey's on a horse, man. <laughs> He's, uh, this is classic Kevin Pillar doing pretty well in the beginning of the year, and I'm just hoping that it doesn't, you know, plummet towards the end and him getting to some sort of funk, you know? Yeah, he's playing for his at least his Blue Jays existence this year, I think. I think one way or the other oh, with yeah. his defense, he's going to be employed in Major League Baseball. But there's just so much depth in the minor league system in the outfield that if you're going to lose somebody, unfortunately, I think he's the guy that would be probably the one they wouldn't mind parting with as much. As much as the fans, I think, would dismay that idea, obviously. But Dwight Smith Jr. had a home run, had a grand slam today, just yep. for one example. So it's coming. <laughs> Do you think he's more dispensable than someone like Steve Pierce, just salary-wise? I think you have more of an asset if you were going to trade Kevin Pillar. Kevin Pillar. Then, uh, yeah, exactly. And the defense is just something ridiculous. It's, it's honestly, yeah. in my opinion, a little insulting that he hasn't gotten a gold glove yet. But maybe that's just my opinion, and I'm trying not to be biased, but, yeah, it's the competition the last couple of years. Buxton was clear-cut winner, in my opinion, last season. But the two years prior to that, it seemed a little bit 50-50-ish, and it went against Kevin Pillar. Right, right. No, I, I certainly agree with you. I think he's deserving of it. Um, I, I have said, and, you know, much to the displeasure of some Blue Jays fans, but I have said that sometimes I think that a lot of the great plays or the flashy plays that he makes aren't really necessary, and he just makes them... To be flashy, I, I know that's controversial, mm-hmm. but um, I, I certainly don't take anything away from his abilities. I think he's solid, and Grichek struck out. What, what else is new? But yep. anyway, <laughs> I, I, I still uh, think he's on the, a transition phase if we wanted to shift to the Grichek stuff. But uh, yeah, I think Kevin Pillar is just. I, I hope this isn't another flash in the pan where we see the the league not adjusting to him yet. Because I really think that's where his downfall is. I don't think it's a hole in his swing, anything terribly. Because on one way or the other, I think he's just going to swing at a lot of pitches and miss them. But the catch being, um, he's just got to adjust to the plan that the pitcher's throwing at him each night. And I think that's what killed him last season. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And 
you know, his – I just get really nervous seeing him at the plate once he's in a funk because once he's in that funk, he swings at everything to try to get out of it. It's so frustrating. Which has so. been very similar to Grychuk at this point too. Um, I was yeah. happy he got his double as a pinch hit performance the other night. but And that Pilar's fallen into that hole pretty quickly a couple of times as well. So it is what it is, unfortunately. Wasn't uh, Grychuk um, one for 26 or something at that point before the double? I think, something absurd like I think that. one for 26 was the record for okay. April right. or May or something like that for the Blue Jays. I wanted to say it was one. For, it, it, I don't remember hearing the words he broke that or he tied it. <laughs> okay. I, right. But it was definitely one for 20 something. And I want to say it was closer to 126 than uh, not. So well, he hit that double. So he, he fell out of it. No one wants to be that guy. But uh, I, I hope he works out, man. And. I, we got him for a little bit, so like he sort of has to work out. But I think going back to your um, your point about Pilar being sort of uh, the dispensable one, I certainly agree with that because this is the first time in a long time that I can remember that the Blue Jays have so much outfield depth. Like it's absurd the amount of outfield depth that they have. Yeah, and as Trey Mancini steps in here, and um, he's got a 1-1 count uh, with Marco Estrada on the mound. But um, as far as it goes, yeah, the outfield depth is ridiculous. And I don't know if you've seen what is going on in the minor league system at all, but freaking the New Hampshire Fisher Cats have been unstoppable until last night where they finally lost their first game of the season after a five-game winning streak. Is uh, Yeah, Vlad's lighting it up too from what yeah. I'm seeing the, the... – the light reading that I'm doing on the minor league stuff. And that that's very encouraging, Yeah, you know, cause you need him to develop every step of the way. I mean, I know a lot of we talk about this every time and that's fine. I don't want a situation where he goes double a to the majors. I want him to hit every single step until yeah. he's a hundred percent ready. I want him to be ready. And the tandem of uh, what's going on in New Hampshire and with all the offense that they've been getting, just listen to the lineup that they're fielding tonight. And uh, there's one oddity in the positioning tonight with Bo Bichette is actually playing second base. What do you think of that? (laughs) Why not? I mean, like, it's it's still middle of the infield. Like, he's not – I think he's, you know, he's better suited at shortstop for sure. But why not? I mean, like, it's the beginning of the year. See what you got. See what kind of – depth he can provide if something were to happen you know i don't i don't see that happening because there's so much infield yeah. depth right now as it is but you know but i don't see the harm in it at all yep and um we got one out going on so far but um as Trey Mancini, i missed what he did he ground out yeah <laughs> so he popped out to uh to great check gotcha so but at, back to the boba shed thing so but basically what tonight is at least for the fisher cast is loris guriel is playing short who's been playing second so they okay. they so flip flop just for the sake of flip flopping probably and like what you were saying the more experience you can get at anywhere in the Keystone at least and with those two guys being so athletic um, I think they both have cannons for arms and they're going to be fighting each other I think for the shortstop position so it's going to be a nice little tandem with the two of them up the middle and uh, Guriel has been just crushing the ball he's had like yeah. four multi hit games so far this season so as Manny Machado goes swinging and a miss. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, so, some other team, you know, put your team here wherever he goes from <laughs> July. I, I'm, I'm willing to put money on that. Right? Yeah, and I, I wouldn't take that bet, my friend. That just sounds like the one that, you know, that's the one that Vegas hopes you take and they take all your money. 
Really? You don't think you don't think he's gonna move? Oh, I think Machado one hundred percent is gonna be gone. Okay. That's I was agreeing right. with you. I'm sorry if I was confusing. Oh wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> um so. Yeah, I mean I I think he'll end up moving and I think it hopefully uh it's gonna be him and not Donaldson because I right now I know it's early, but the Blue Jays are surpassing expectations, at, at least my expectations. Maybe that mm-hmm. was unfair of me, you know, uh evaluation an unfair evaluation at the beginning of the year. Yeah. But I at the very least that they're certainly better than they were last April. Yeah, and um, you and I have talked about that extensively as far as the expected record for this team. Um, I know you and I were kind of shooting in the 80-90 win ballpark. I, I don't think it's fair to even start really saying that we're uh, you know undercutting that or going to be super exceeding that yet at this point. But this team has looked really good, and the thing that has shocked me the most is the chemistry is through the roof. You know, it's not just Solarte dancing; <laughs> it's everything else. No? No, they're uh, they're jiving. They're they're definitely. It's like a seamless transition from last year to this year. And you know, you still have a lot of the same guys, but at the same time, it does feel like a different team without Bautista. He was the last piece, and now that he's gone, it, I, I don't know if you disagree or agree, but it de- certainly does feel different to me. It definitely does feel different, but um, there's just enough familiarity peppered, I think, within it that. Um, things are good as Marco Restrada records the last out on a strikeout. So beautiful pitch. It was yeah. a marvelous pitch. Couldn't tell if that was a changeup. They didn't show the speed down on that, but I'm kind of looking like that, just judging how it dived off the platter there. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, and it's just enough new faces. And I think they, the one thing that I have loved about the recruiting job that Atkins and Shapiro have been doing, they're not just looking for the most talented players. They're looking for talented characters as well. So um, that's what, you know, Lesmus Diaz, the Grychucks, the Solartes, everybody. It just seems like they're all, they want to win. They don't care what they have to do. They show up and do their work every day. And those are the kind of guys right. I think you need on a championship team. No, I, I, I certainly agree. And I think um, evaluating a, a player's um, attitude and personality is something that's not talked about a uh, enough right and i yeah. think that yeah you could be the most talented player like look at yesel puig I, I don't know that i would want him on my team like i know he's talented or maybe he you know the talent has sort of surpassed him a little bit i know he was raking it a couple of years ago but yep. just the attitude alone i don't i wouldn't want someone like that on my team just because i don't want to mess with the chemistry yeah and it's not the um all about me thing right and that's kind of what you get from a at least from him anyways, Puig. Right. Um, I think he's definitely grown over the last few years to the point where he actually at least looks like he's a functional member of the team, but I still wouldn't call him the best leader on the team or anything like that for somebody that is on that teetering point where you would think they'd be in that role a little bit more. So as far as a comparison player, you know, as far as a Blue Jays character level, it's like, okay, Kevin Pillar has been with this team for a million years now throughout the whole system, as much as we were just talking about the one thing, at least he's bringing you that consistent guy in the dugout. And I would assume a lot of these guys are talking to him about, hey, you know, where should I even go get dinner or something like that at the end of the right. game, things yeah. like that. So, And I don't know how approachable maybe the Puig thing would be on that, even though it seems like he's a pretty good character, but it is a little bit of that flash. But I guess that's an L.A. thing versus the Toronto thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it could be. Like, that's certainly possible, like, your your location is all relative, I guess, but I don't know. I just think that these the players they get along. They sort of it's it's sort of a different welcoming scheme, right? Like the Blue Jays, 
right now they're they're so relaxed they're so um you know open to having new players on the team just as long as it makes them win and i don't think that's especially unusual to them but at the same time i don't know maybe it's because i watch them so often that you see these new faces in and out and it's just i don't know there's something about this team that it seems seamless for players and you hear a lot of players talking about it saying things like oh this it's a great group of guys and that might be all like pr talk but something about it makes it seem very genuine to me yeah and i think it's maybe it's the attitude in that you know they're I don't feel like I'm being pandered to when, you know, Aaron Sanchez says this feels like a different team in a good way. You know, it's not, but as much as the Jose Bautista thing, really, I think he got the wrong end of the stick here. I honestly can't believe he's not on a team in Major League Baseball right now. And it reminds me of the, kind of like the fall off with the Jermaine Dye. You know, he had a career year with the White Sox. And then all of a sudden, boom, nothing. So, <laughs> it's just... Are you really shocked by that? I, I, he was so bad last year. I, I just figured there was going to be somebody that would have taken a flyer on him. You know, what... what, you what it's him, though? It could be just as much him. I, I would imagine he's gotten some kind of an offer. There was too much news about the Braves and the uh, Rays there for a while to not have something hey. tangible, I think, out of it. I thought the one with the Braves was very interesting. You got a guy like Bautista as a known leader that can come in. Plus, he's you know the guy in the front office is the guy that had the faith in him in the first place. Bring it, yeah, hey, Alex Anthopoulos is that presence right there. So maybe it's just me. I just it almost just feels like it. Uh, the the fire went out too quick. Um, I I don't know. I you saw signs of it um, in 2016. I think towards the end. He was playing pretty poorly, not nearly as bad as he played last year, but like it's it's sort of you saw the dip, mm-hmm. and it was telling to me that no one wanted to pick him up last year, right? Like the polarity between the offseason this year and last year, like I think I'm more surprised that last year no one else was willing to take a flyer on him. Valid this year because you would you think know? somebody would have wanted on a veteran bat like him, you know. Maybe it's yeah. the bat flips that rub too many people the wrong way or something along those lines. But there's got to be somebody that you would think that would just want a talented player to teach the young players how to how the game is played. And that was Jose Bautista for his tenure with the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, like, I don't think that's an unfair assessment. I think there's definitely some merit to that for sure. But I don't know, maybe uh, people know things about Bautista that we don't, right? Maybe people know something maybe he is kind of like this about me attitude i know that's really um I, i'm talking about a sacred player here in mm-hmm. his history i get it but like you know when 29 other teams are sort of like no i don't want to deal with them you know the common denominator Ooh. is him you know so yeah i hear you as uh, we watch gift and gope take a rather odd hack at a, <laughs> at a pitch there yeah. from gossman uh to strike out for the side but um and, yeah, but it's maybe it's just the, you know, the playoff stuff was not too long ago, and maybe it's just the, you know, the nostalgist in me a little bit there, you know. Didn't, didn't want to see him go out that quick, and I assumed that he was going to come back this year, and unfortunately I thought he was going to play for a team in our division and just wreck us every time he played us. I was honestly fearing that, <laughs> waking up in the middle of the night a couple of times at it. Well, I mean, like, if he played for Tampa Bay, that certainly fits the narrative of Tampa Bay versus uh, Toronto, right? You have that one guy that 
doesn't really hit well against other teams, but as soon as he faces Toronto, no matter where it is, whether or not it's in Toronto or uh, Tampa Bay, he's going to rake. Yeah. And that could have been Jose Bautista against the Blue Jays. And it would have been so poetic if it was. And in all reality, I would have loved to watch it too. I, if there was any way I could have watched him resurge any kind of bit of his career, I would have been very entertained as a fan of Jose Bautista, period, to see that. And um, I thought the Tampa Bay thing was honestly the best fit in the world. They're notorious for picking up guys at the end of their career, especially in their early years. You know, Fred McGriff finished his career as a Tampa Bay Devil Ray, Wade Boggs, you know, all these big names that are Hall of Famers. And the fact that Fred McGriff is in the Hall of Fame is a sore subject for me to begin with. (laughs) So, but um, maybe that's just it. It's just too soon. And maybe it's just fresh in my mind after all those years of Angry Bird Blue Jay logos and all that stuff, that that's still the last good thing I'm holding on to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, but you also have to examine the personality traits, right? And, and you know, let's let's put aside the, the sort of the downfall, the slope that he uh, portrayed last year in terms of ability. In terms of personality, this is the same guy two years ago that wanted five years 150, right? This is the <laughs> same guy that wanted that big contract so, and this is pure speculation. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say Jose Bautista is greedy, but he, like any other player, this isn't unique to him, might just overvalue himself a little bit and think that, like, to me, when you say something like, oh, I got my eyes checked out and I'm, I'm good to go, to me, that's just like, no, dude, I'm not buying that. Like, let me throw this it's, fishing line in the water, see what happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, don't worry, guys, I'm fixed. I got my eyes checked. Okay. All right. Well, so did... So did Morales, and he doesn't look that good. (laughs) It's just maybe the agent for Bautista is just that creepy guy from those Geico commercials with a dollar bill at the end of the fishing line. (laughs) (laughs) Something stupid like that, but I have no idea. But like I said, uh, I just thought that he was going to get something. And maybe he and his agent have figured out something that they're just going to wait around and wait for some big player to get hurt and be, like, knocking on the door right when that happens and kind of like – Ambulance uh, chase. <laughs> Do you think teams would be more uh, more likely to reach for a guy like Bautista or to reach in their system to fill the gap? I think it depends on where they think they are. Uh, if, if you were going to talk to me right now, and let's say uh, we, we were on the Los Angeles Angels right now, and mm-hmm. we were talking about this, and we all of a, they all of a sudden maybe didn't lose Mike Trout, but one of the corner guys, right? How do you not turn around and go, hey, you know what? Jose Bautista to help get the Blue Jays to the playoffs a couple of times. Let's see what he's got left in the tank. Maybe before calling up another guy. What's the worst case scenario? You let him play for a month, and if he's horrible, you cut and run? What are you paying him? I'd I'd damn be close to the minimum, if not. (laughs) Yeah, see, I don't think he takes it. Honestly, I don't think he takes it. I think he'll say, thanks, but no thanks. I I think he's someone that sort of values himself because when you look at Bautista you're not just getting a player you're getting a guy that is so um what's the word I'm looking for he's so in touch with his brand yeah right and that's not a bad thing he's a very marketable player and maybe the success he's had outside of the the baseball field in Toronto sort of influences his decision as to the opportunities he may or may not have at a, yeah. on a different team so and maybe that's where it eventually goes, and maybe he doesn't keep the baseball career going, and maybe it turns into something else. 
but Bautista always had a great mind for baseball stuff, at least when you were talking to other players and stuff, especially Marcus Stroman. You know, he's always talking about how knowledgeable Bautista was last season, regardless of all the stuff that was going on. Maybe that's somebody that slides into a coaching role quicker than you would think. I, I wouldn't mind that at all. I think he, I think as a hitting coach, he'd be outstanding. Yeah. But it, it depends on if he can, and this, I don't know, this is me speaking out of ignorance. How is he in terms of communication with other players, with young players, right? And that's the big thing. Um, yeah. Like you have to really communicate and you have to really be um, attuned to how players are. Right. You can't, it, it can't turn into the me show. So it, yeah. to me, it's just, I'd give it a shot. Why not? What, you, you have nothing to lose at that point. Exactly. As Marco Estrada records another three, uh, well, three up, three down inning, right? <laughs> cruising, man. He is cruising. And I love watching Marco Estrada pitch. And uh, maybe this is just me calling back to my age a little bit, but reminds me of a right-handed Jimmy Key. Ooh, I like it. Just the way he Why throws not? the ball, the changeup, and changing the speeds. The fact that he's just outsmarting pitch or hitters as far as things goes always seems to be his thing for me. And right. him working with uh, Maley has been always a good thing. Um, he's always pitched well with Martin behind the dish too. But just that, I don't you that and this the, the nastiness of his pitches. They know what's coming. They know they're going to get a changeup at some point in that freaking uh, string of pitches that they have while they're at the dish, and they can't hit it. No, no, it's. He's a player that I sort of hope that the Blue Jays seriously consider uh, looking into extending right again, right? Like I, he's showing no signs of slowing down, and if the as we've been talking about in the beginning of the show, if the uh, rotation holds up as as high of a standard that we think they're going to, I, I think it would be wise for them to give it another year, and I, I don't think he wouldn't take it i think he would be happy to take a one-year deal because he's one of the players one of the few that have vocalized out loud i want to stay here like i love it here and my family loves it here he doesn't care about customs he doesn't care about crossing the border he doesn't care about any of that crap he wants to stay in toronto and when you have someone that's this talented that wants to stay on this team you have to take advantage of that Oh, one way or the other, I'm signing him up right now. If, you, if this was the end of the damn season right this second, regardless of how we finished, I'm definitely seriously thinking of holding on to Mark. not only just Marco Estrada, but Jay Happ, man. Absolutely. How good was he the other night? <laughs> so, um, and you've got, you're still going to have Stroman. You still have Sanchez. One way or the other, if you're going to tell me that for the next two, three years, in a, you know, a, including this season, obviously, um, that I have those four guys, it's just lights out. Yeah. And then you got the minor league guys that can come in and fill in the last spot. Or they can keep Jaime, right, because he has an option. He does. A team option for yep. next year. So, you know, if it's on the cheap, why not? Like at the, For me, there's no such thing as a really bad fifth starter contract <laughs> fine with me like you're a fifth starter my expectations for a fifth starter are so low that i just whatever like as long as it's not like a 15 million dollar contract if it's a, oh yeah still like a five or six million dollar contract well you're never going to sign clayton kershaw to a fifth starter deal i'm sorry no 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 you're your fifth starter you're looking at five six innings tops and yeah. anything you get after that is gravy you know Exactly, as Curtis Granderson flies out to right field for the first out of the inning. So, 
And maybe it's just because you're like me and you've been through all those bad years where we were starting with Josh Towers <laughs> and all those guys in the fifth spots. Yes, that's right. I just threw a Josh Towers card. Eat it, everybody. <laughs> and, uh, well, was it Matt Bush? Was it, uh, Matt Bush was a starter and at yep. one point for the Blue Jays. He's now the, clo- well, I guess kind of part of that closer by committee in the uh, Rangers uh, organization. Are we talking about that Matt Bush or are we talking about the other Matt Bush? I think that because there was another Matt Bush that we had, and I don't know if it was Matt Bush, but we had another Bush that was in the fifth starter conversation every year. He'd have one good start, mediocre second, hurt third. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, we had. Uh, I remember what the days where Brett Cecil was a starter. I remember when Scott Downs was flirting as a starter. Casey Jansen, not Casey Danny Jansen. Jansen. <laughs> no, Casey Jansen. Um, uh, who who? Oh, God, what's his name? Uh, the dude with the the chops. Oh, uh, Dustin McGowan. Yeah, I'll bring another one here for you. Brian Tallett. Yep, Brian <laughs> Tallett, yeah. Who, uh, he had an epic mustache. Who was the dude that we <laughs> traded for Uh I'd have to look that one up. I'm going to dive into the archives. We're getting too past my brain injuries now <laughs> and all the drinking. <laughs> Forget his name. He was... He was always that – I think he was opening day starter at one point. Oh, man. I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah, I'm diving. Go Google. <laughs> the barroom conversation yeah. is dead. Damn you, Google. <laughs> Let's see. Who was for? Um Baseball oh, reference isn't nice. working good enough or quick enough as younger Slarte hits a double down the right field line as a big, oh. big clap for him as he stirs the pot. Yeah. <laughs> so – you know what? I'll tell you right now. All right, you found it. No, but I'm going to good old Wikipedia. <laughs> good old Wikipedia. Yeah. Sean Markham. Sean Markham. I loved Sean Markham for years, but he just couldn't stay healthy. And when he did pitch, though, oh. holy, wow. You know, it's just, he was one of the best guys you could throw out there every fourth or, you know, fifth day for as a fourth or fifth starter, so. Yeah, he ended up having a little resurgence there with the Cleveland Indians a couple of times too in the uh, you know Nick Swisher age there in uh, Cleveland. Oh God, yeah. So, All but yeah, old uh, the Angry Bird and the uh, sometimes I think it was on Thursdays or Tuesdays when they did the Powder Blues. Flashback um, Friday, my friend. The Fridays, there you yep. go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, and that was the year that we had uh, Roland, and uh, who was that short? It was the dude from San Diego. Um, oh. Well, we had Yanil Escobar for a long time. I was during that. before that. I forget. Eckstein? Oh, David Eckstein. Yeah. <laughs> that was in the Frank Thomas years, too, the couple that yep. we had, and uh, that was still one of those source subjects as we talk about uh, DHs and stuff that went like that. That was... Frank Thomas was having a decent year, and then they didn't want to pay him and cut him. Remember? Yeah, he had some he bonus. Five hundred in a blue jay uniform. He did. As uh, Steve Pierce is stepping into the box here with two strikes, I hope he figures this one out here because I think he's going to get a weird fastball on the inside. Oh, did he hit it all? Nah, not enough. <laughs> that was almost similar to his home run he had the other night. This year. I'm, uh, I'm, feel about Steve Pierce? I'm excited to see what he can do. He looks like he's actually figured this health thing out. So I think he's always got a great stick. Where he lands in the field, I you know, it's like play shuffle the cards, see where it happens. Because 
I don't know what to tell you about him. I honestly thought for a long time until last, you know, in spring training last year, he was going to play first base. But obviously, yeah, Justin Smoke has solidified that role ten times from Sunday. <laughs> you know, so. I remember we were talking about that that Pierce should take first base, and uh, no one had faith in Smoke. I do remember that conversation. Yeah, I remember this is the after the the Montreal series, the the notorious bring up Roddy Telez now stuff. <laughs> well, he raked in Montreal. Like, he had a deep home run. I think and it was the, dead center that he hit that home run. And the year prior to that, as a New Hampshire Fisher cat, he was basically the MVP of the league. <laughs> now, he was, um, he batted like 320 or something like that. I'd have to look it up, but he was insane with the Fisher cats. And they're like, no, no, we're going to keep him with the AAA Buffalo Bisons. And, and uh, he just couldn't find his way out of the brown paper bag last year. Yeah, word is that he was dealing with uh, quite a bit of personal issues last year. I don't, obviously, I don't want to speculate. I, and if I remember hearing something about family-related at one point. Exactly. But. Yeah, I want to be sensitive towards that if that's true. And, you know, I think a lot of people, if that's true, uh, first of all, I hope everything's good, yeah. obviously. And, um, you know, I, I think it's one of these things that, and Estrada was dealing with it last year, too. It's like, yeah, we expect them to be, superstar athletes we expect them to be superheroes out there it's true but at the same time they are human and exactly. things are going to get to them so, you know and in all reality Roddy Telez still has some of the most insane power at the high end of the Blue Jays minor league system anyway so if he can find a way to turn it on and even replicate half of what he did that double a season I was alluding to the Blue Jays still have a very valuable first baseman in the minor leagues with him right so right as Marco like, Estrada gets going again Oh, yeah, he's Marco Estrada. Yeah, Telez is one of those guys that you ha you can afford to be patient with because, you know, signs right now are pointing to Justin Smoke still has – he's in that rhythm still from last year. And I, I want to say that they have an option on him for next season. So if they exercise that with Justin Smoke, you know, you can give Telez like another year to just make sure it's solidified. And then in 2020, he can be part of that core group that comes up and really makes an impact for this team. And that's exactly it. And that's where a lot of the stars are aligning at the moment as far as the yeah. minor league uh, depth is concerned. Um, I, I made a joke to somebody else the other day, and I was you know thinking about the Sports Illustrated article for the Houston Astros. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to be that jerk and says it right now. 2021 is the Blue Jays' next World Series if we don't get it this season. <laughs> wow, that's bold, man. That's bold. Uh, seeing what I see on the minor league side of the ball every uh, day, Adam, uh, if, if you dive into even quarter of the stuff that I'm seeing, you're going to kind of baffle your mind a little bit. The biggest thing is I think they're going to have to figure out how to hold on to some of these pitchers, and especially the Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez. Because yeah, I think you're going to be relying on Nate Pearson and uh, company a little too much in 2021 if you were going to be making that push. Well, you have to also understand that by then you'll have Troy Tulowitzki off the books. You'll have uh, Russell Martin off the books. You'll have uh, someone like Smoke off the books. So you can afford to really make a push to get a starter or two. You know, exactly. Someone like Sanchez. Because something tells me, you know, now that he... He switched agency, and I just the Scott, Scott Boris thing has never worked out for the Toronto Blue Jays, so I'm not yeah. expecting anything too fruitful as, uh, you know, 
Marco Estrada is dealing to Craig Gentry at the moment. So, <laughs> but um, it's just been everything. I think BJ Ryan was the last guy we signed that was a Scott Boris big name. And that was a disaster. <laughs> One good season for a lot of money. <laughs> Uh, every time he pitched, I thought he was balking. Like, almost every time. I was like, does he even stop? Like, it's, yep. ugh. Another ground out for Marco Estrada, Lemus Diaz to Smokey. So. Yeah, I think Sanchez is as good as gone when he's a free agent, man. I'm sorry. Like, I know people don't want to hear that, but. Uh, It'll be a first Boris. of the generation, of, or this decade anyways, about Scott Boris fans or uh, players getting signed by the Toronto Blue Jays, I think. So we have some guys, but they're low-end guys. Yeah. You don't think that was a Beeston thing? It might have been, but how much of that carries over? You know, I I would like to say not a lot. Like it, I don't know what their, his relationship was like with uh, with uh, Shapiro and Atkins mm-hmm. in terms of Cleveland deals, and if, if they were positive, that might you know, might, might do something, might lend some favors. It might, and um, I honestly think one way or the other they're going to try at least having a dialogue because you can't let Sanchez go for nothing. And no. it's just, yeah, <laughs> they got to figure it out. If you were to choose one, I'm going to put you on the spot now. If you were to choose one, Stromer or Sanchez, long-term, you can lock up only one. Who are you locking up? Me personally, and this is nothing against Stroman, Sanchez reminds me of Roy Holiday too much. Mm-hmm. And just the way he's built, the way he throws the ball is so ridiculously effortless. I just think um, if I was going to pay for somebody premium dollar and I only could choose one, I'm going for Aaron Sanchez. But on the flip side of that coin, I would be 100% fine with Marcus Stroman, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with you. I, I think that Sanchez, in terms of pure Stuff. I think he has the best pure stuff out of everyone in this rotation. Now, when, whether or not he can get that stuff right and dialed in, he certainly looked amazing last night. But on a consistent basis, okay. But yeah. to your point, let's say you can't sign Sanchez. To me, and if you go after Sanchez first, to me, Strowman's the type of guy that is like, I feel disrespected that you didn't come at me first. Goodbye. <laughs> and honestly, I'm wondering how much of that arbitration hearing from this past season is going to linger and cause some issues in that possible free agent or extension talk. Um, but as far as expen- expansion talks, it goes, wow, tongue tied there. We do have Justin Smoke for next season. He is on a tw- uh, 2019 club option um, that can be bought out. How much? Uh, sh- 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 Six mil. Oh, you got to take that. You oh, have to. You're silly if you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's almost inconsequential. Yeah. Right at, at that point, you have, you have to take that. Yeah, he has to hit uh, X number of plate appearances this season, apparently, to have that option kick in, which can, uh, well, actually, what it does is it increases the amount of money for the option year. And it, it can peak out, according to this, to $8 million. But either way, I'm still happy at that 8-8. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have a, a guy that made the all-star team last year uh, for $8 million, for single digit. It's in the millions. Yeah, you take that yeah. all day, all day. And just so everybody's aware, if they want to look this up and call me you know, BS on my terribleness, um, this is on 
spotrack.com, which is oh yeah for all sports. They track all the team payrolls and all that kind of good stuff. So it's a pretty reliable site. This is what we used to use for our dynasty league <laughs> for pricing. I use it every day when it comes to looking up contracts and stuff. They're usually yeah. bang on. They're pretty damn close, so as far as that goes. And it looks like we might have Marco Estrada out of another inning with another strikeout. So he's just following suit for Aaron's on Aaron Sanchez tonight. Three innings, no hits so far. Oh, no, I said it. He's crazy. Yeah, no, that's it. It's over. Yesterday I tweeted that out while the Aaron Sanchez thing. I was like, Aaron Sanchez, you're not supposed to talk about it. Alert happening right now. No, so it's not my fault. That's all I heard. <laughs> so I hope whoever that person on Twitter is is listening. But, um, yeah, so I got to mention it just so while we have a break here in the action, man. Um, I've gotten us on all sorts of fun platforms for this, and this is our recording. Our live show, but we're going to be recording this one, and it's after we finally figured out those technical issues earlier. Adam, we're cooking, so this will be on iTunes, Google Play, um, thanks to Anchor.com, which is a podcasting website. And if you want to start your own, go ahead and jump on that and see what you get. I already had one friend bug me about Mets stuff earlier and what I was doing with this with you. <laughs> wow, so. nice. I guess he's jumping on the fan bandwagon for the Mets, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> what was their record going into today? Seven and one? They're pretty fire right now, but I don't think that's sustainable. Honestly, I don't. It's going to depend on that pitching, man, yeah. with enough offense. Yeah. There was a um, a tweet out. I forget who tweeted that. It might have been the score that said, uh, which team is more of a real deal, Red Sox or the Mets? And as much as it pains me to say, it's kind of – it'd be silly not to say the Red Sox unless yeah. you disagree with that. Yeah. No, I, I feel you on that too. But I do think the Mets are going to make things interesting in the NL East anyways. You think so, so? I think they have enough young talent on that team. It's just going to be, like you said, sustaining it. I don't think right. they're going to be 9-1. No, sorry, it's 9-1. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Today. Yeah. So, yeah, I just don't see it lasting for that. But I still – do see them looking at the way they're mixing with everything and everything like that, that they're uh, probably going to be at least interesting enough to be in that wild card spot, like kind of like how we were projected, I think. Hmm, that's interesting. Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I certainly don't think this success is sustainable. I, I certainly do think they'll <clears throat> fall back to reality just a little bit, but I, I wouldn't rule out a playoff run. No, no, yeah. it, it, a wild card run at the very least. No, I don't rule that out at all. Yeah, and seeing we're talking just Major League Baseball news in general as Kevin Pillar takes uh, ball one. Um, did you see the, what was the Rumble in the Mountains this one, this afternoon? I, you know what? I got the alert on my phone, but I didn't, I didn't see what was up. So what's going on? So basically what happened is the San Diego Padres are playing the Colorado Rockies, and the, mm-hmm. the series ended, up, ended today. Um, uh, who was on the mound for the Padres? Either way, he drilled uh, a ball that was kind of reminiscent to the Josh Donaldson one that went behind him last season. Okay. Yep. But it hit him in like the lettering, basically, on the back of his jersey. And without even hesitation, Nolan Arenado ditched the helmet, the bat, and everything and just went right after him on the mound. Ooh. So, wow. And he's chasing him around the infield, trying to throw punches at him. And it was just insane. It was like a hockey fight broke out in a baseball game. Wow. So Yeah, I, I'm looking at the, the alert on my phone from ESPN. They don't even say the pitcher's name. It says Rockies, Nolan Arenado throws haymaker at Padres pitcher. <laughs> <Well, yeah. laughs> so it must have been that guy for the Padres, right? Yeah. 
Maybe that's his name, Padres pitcher. And they're like, we have to draft him. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly it. But the Padres are going to be a sneaky team, I think, too. They're not, but um, I think they're going to surprise some people, but they're definitely not a playoff team. They're a couple years off. No. No. Didn't they try to make that push last year? They, um, I think they were thinking about it. <laughs> two years ago. What was the year that they acquired Myers? It was two, no, that was last season, I think. No, no, two years ago, because they signed him to the extension last season. Yeah, and they signed Kemp, too. I remember yep. that. And I w- everyone was like, all oh, the Padres are going for it, and they, it just didn't work out. It was not the right names with mixed into the right coaching system, I think, in that one. It was the uh, new general manager trying to make a splash more than anything, I think. Mm. Okay, I can certainly see that. Yeah, I mean... For me, my NL sneaky team, it might not even be a sneaky team. We've talked about this as the Brewers. I think the Brewers are going to be. I just love their lineup. Um, yeah. And if they can find some pitching, they're going to be dangerous. So, yeah. and being a notoriously large uh, Bob Uecker fan, I hope they win one for him before he ends up hanging it up. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's they. I think they have the shot. It's just the division they're in. Is tough, you know, like that's a tough division to overcome right now, at least. Oh, I agree. And um, I don't know if you noticed, but on the podcast stuff it puts in uh, that I've been distributing now the last two days on the iTunes and whatnot, it puts a picture of who is by, right? So my profile, it says by Craig Borden on it, too. But the picture I have on there is me sitting with the Bob Uecker statue that's in Miller Park. Have I told you the story of where that is actually located in the ballpark? No, you haven't. It's in the 500 level behind home plate, the farthest away from home plate you possibly can get. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. And it's okay. because of this old Miller beer commercial he used to do that was, uh, he's, you know, talk, talking all up about himself being a major league baseball player and that's that, that. He's like going into like the fourth or fifth row behind home plate. And then uh, one of the ushers comes over and grabs him and goes, this is in your seats. You got to go off there. And he goes, oh, it must be in the front row. (laughs) (laughs) You think he's getting upgraded and then does the Miller beer commercial stuff. And then you see him sitting in the 500 level of the old uh, Brewers Stadium yelling out, he missed the tag. (laughs) (laughs) So they put the statue of him all the way up there where he was yelling and stuff. That's a nice way to honor him. That's awesome. It's a good. He's a comedian, anyways, amongst itself. Mm. As Elizabeth Diaz uh, gets tagged out on a strikeout for the last out, so it's one of those characters of the games. If you have not had a chance to figure out Bob Uecker and you only know him from the Major League Baseball or the Major League movies, right? His uh, Hall of Fame speech alone is just stuff of magic. <laughs> so let me ask you something. Not to change the subject uh, too much, but. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're in the middle of the fourth inning. We are an hour into this game. 45 minutes exact. (laughs) Are you buying pace of play right now? Because to me, like, we're almost – we're pretty much halfway through this game. It's been an hour. Yeah. My big thing on the – I don't know if it's it's new this season or if the games have been going quicker or not. The one thing I have noticed watching Blue Jay games so far this this season, these evening games, I'm in – you know, I'm done watching the game by 11 o'clock, yeah. which is a nice welcome this, honestly, because at least, um, you know, I have to stay up usually and do the minor league recaps for the jaysjournal.com. So those games being done by 11 usually means I can still get to bed by, you know, midnight and not be mm-hmm. completely wrecked for my day job that, you know, is always, always so much fun to get to in the morning. <laughs> right, right. 
So, but yeah, what do you think? I, I think it's a little too early to tell. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little too early to tell if pace of play is really making a difference, like or this much of a substantial difference. But maybe it's just the teams that the Jays have been playing. Like I, I honestly haven't been, wasn't paying attention to the time against the Yankees and. It, I call me crazy, but I think the Yankees are the stiffest competition we've faced thus far. So I did notice against the White Sox that it was sort of uh, quicker than usual. And Texas, it was quicker than usual. And Baltimore, maybe it's just because those teams aren't that good that we're just cruising through. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. my we biggest thing is, um, I think a lot of that partly is because uh, we are watching the Blue Jays. You see how our pitchers, uh, they get the ball and chuck. You know, there's not a lot of uh, bells and whistles, and um, especially with the guys in the plates. So we've gotten past the Nomar Garcia Perez of the year. <laughs> you know, they're not sitting there playing at the plate for their uh, 20 minutes trying to get their Velcro perfect. Oh, Manny Machado just crushed one to the left center field gap, and Kevin Pillar chases it down. It's an easy double for Manny Machado. Yeah. So, and that's why Manny Machado is going to be so sought after right yeah. there. He's a guy that I, I've said this. First of all, I don't think there's a chance. But, and this is controversial, maybe, if someone's like, you can have one, Josh Donaldson or Machado. Sorry, I'm, I'm picking Machado. I'm taking the youth. I know that's a lot of people might be upset with that. So I'm taking the youth every time. No, I, I I tend to agree with you on that, especially you know you know me. I tend to lean toward youth, period, because I'm the minor league guy, and I just preach youth, 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 youth all the time. Right. But there is something to say that this is Josh Donaldson's house right now. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure but, As I the mean, flip like, side of the coin. Rehash, yeah, we don't have to rehash the the debate, but for how long? That's the question. Exactly. Soon enough, it's going to be the Boba Shet Vlad Guerrero show. I think so. Um, I like it. And like we've been talking, that needs to at least be at the earliest next season or a September call call up a di- audition. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to even do goof with that. Follow. Yeah. Uh, I want that service time to start as late as possible. <laughs> yeah. Both of them. And, uh, yeah. seeing I brought it up, I guess I we might as well do a quick snippet of what's going on down at the farm. So sure. the Buffalo Bisons beat the Pawtucket Red Sox today, 14 Love to it. eight. I know you love that one. And with a monster inning in the eighth inning. And this is in due, no short, shortage of power in this one. So the Bisons had one, two, three, four home runs in this one, which was topped off by a grand slam by Dwight Smith Jr. Love it. And Teoscar Hernandez, who was who we thought might be coming up for uh, Kendris Morales instead of Tim Meza, had a two-run sh- blast as well so things are going good for the bisons and like i said you don't get too many 14 to 8 wins <laughs> yeah no no and really in all reality deck mcguire was the only pitcher that really got knocked around too which is unfortunately not against his mo <laughs> yeah. yeah so um on the next level down i figured this is why i wanted to talk about the uh trenton Thunder are currently losing to the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. And Vlad has one hit as Manny Machado comes in on a double by... I lost it. Jonathan Scope. Oh, my gosh. He actually got a hit. 
So, but yeah. Um, but Harold Ramirez is the uh, RBI and the hit for the night for the, so far is the big contributor on offense for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. The forgotten part of the uh, original Francisco Lariano trade through Hutchinson yep. thing. So people forget that we got a lot of players in that trade, not just Francisco Lariano. So it's a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot to look forward to. We've talked about this many times. There's a lot to look forward to when it comes to the, to the youth. And, you know, I, I know there was that time in 2015 before all those trades that we had a lot covered. And that was the last time I really can remember that I saw some hope in the farm with via Alex Anthopoulos. Mm-hmm. This time, though, however, with what you know, Atkins and Shapiro has done, have done. I'm, a, I don't know. My hopes are a lot higher, and I can't remember the last time I was looking forward to the future this much on with the Blue Jays. Like, it, I can't recall a time. Yeah, I recall uh, at least when I was a kid, the Syracuse Sky Chiefs were the Toronto Blue Jays AAA affiliate. And and um, watching Carlos Delgado just destroy the Rochester Red Wings week day in and day out here in uh, Rochester it was uh, very exciting. So I was a little, you know, as a <laughs> toddler basically, yeah. I was like, "Ooh, big guy!" <laughs> so I remember the the seeing them in Pawtucket, mm-hmm. uh, the Sky Chiefs, and they had like their own version of the angry Black Jays uniforms. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, these are so." They're, they were beyond bad, and then the uh, the move to Las Vegas happened. <laughs> yeah, who took over? Was it Washington that took yep, over? Yep, the, the Washington Nationals take. Are then they're just the Chiefs now? Apparently, Sky Chiefs is okay. offensive. <laughs> Why can't it be the Ground Chiefs? Why does that have to be the Sky Chiefs? I thought you know the, 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 you can only get as high as the sky. You know? <laughs> yeah, who am I? There is no higher. <laughs> yeah. It's true. So, but yeah. And uh, so, as far as all the good stuff goes, those were the glory days. But um, Roy Holiday, I don't even recall seeing him in the minor leagues. No, <laughs> he just dusted no. right through it the first time and was pitching in Toronto. So, I do remember that he started to struggle, and they sent him back down to Dunedin. Yep. But he didn't climb back up. I think he went to Dunedin back to Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. He might have done double A. Might have. I'd have to go diving okay. into that. But um, as far as it goes, that was the complete teardown. And that's just the testament to why Roy Halladay's character is so highly regarded against, amongst Blue Jays fans. And anybody that's been really paying attention to Major League Baseball in the last decade period, um, the work ethic and the content of his character along with the Cy Young Award pitcher that we saw repetitively. It was just insane. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that know, would have ruined a lot of players. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't say enough about Halliday. Like, it's, it's tragic and unfortunate about what happened. But, you know, he's one of those players that during the worst of times as a Blue Jays fan, that he was literally the only thing that you could say to, like, you know, fans of different teams, like, oh, the Blue Jays suck. Yeah, but we have Roy Halladay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and that would actually suck. stop some players in their, or some fans in their tracks, and they're like, oh, yeah. man, I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, you know, we might suck, but we have Doc. 
Yeah. And people were like, yeah, you do. You do. And he was just so fun to watch every fifth day. So fun to watch. Like, he was just a master of his craft. And, ah, it's just, it, if you had the opportunity, not just you, anybody listening, had the opportunity to watch Roy Halladay in his prime as a Blue Jays pitcher, you were very fortunate. Yeah. And I, I still think one of my favorite times seeing Roy Halladay, I was in, uh, other than the, fan, the ch- time I actually did get a chance to meet him with my, uh, my dad's best friend's son, him and I were nice. walking around Cooperstown, and this is when they still did the uh, uh, exhibition game there for the Hall of Fame game every year during the uh, All-Star break. Um, Roy Halladay was at, there at the ballpark doing his thing, you know, like he always working and getting his stuff in, and we walked into the ballpark early, and he was there. He saw my little... <laughs> friend there and he's like he walked right over we were the only ones in the ballpark it was great so he got he signed a ball for each of us and we chatted for maybe three minutes before you know i, I just want to let him get back to his work but how many players would come out of their way to do that you know like especially in the middle of their workout exactly yeah. it's just insane but my favorite right holiday moment was i went to the day after Canada Day, when it was his first start as a Philadelphia Philly with the Toronto okay. against the Blue Jays, and just the environment of how the city welcomed him back and everything was just downright jaw dropping. And then the battle ensued at the game, and everybody locked in. And Jose Bautista, to bring another guy that we've been talking about tonight back, yeah, hits the home run off of him, and the yeah. whole place just erupts in joy. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, oh my god, you were just praising him five minutes ago. <laughs> I do remember that game. Like the first pitch he threw was a strike, and everyone just lit up, and it was just like, I can't believe we're watching. It's like how if the Blue Jays are in Detroit or Seattle. You have the Jays fans there. It was like a whole away game. Like you, if you didn't know any better, you would think a bunch of Philly fans were in Toronto that day. And, and in all reality, there weren't. <laughs> when yeah, I was there, there at that game too, it was the you know the typical you know opposing team stuff. You had like one here, but that that whole ballpark was there to see Roy Holiday that day. Yep. And it, it was a sold out game. As uh, unfortunately, the Orioles here are now taking the lead. So. Chris Davis, crush. <laughs> uh, did, did you see his highlight the other night? No. no. He Bo Jackson to bat on the way back to the dugout after Jay Happ struck him out. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know but, what? Davis is one of those players that I regard. He was the guy that we should have saw this whole uh, lull and free agency in terms of spending mm-hmm. happen. Like, there was a time that he was a free agent before re-signing with Baltimore that, like, I thought he was just going to get scooped up. But he, he – I don't want to say he settled, but he definitely didn't get the contract that we thought he was going to get, right? And he ended up signing with Baltimore, but I don't know. I think that was the beginning signs of we don't really uh, – we being the owners – don't yeah. really want to pay a substantial amount of money for power. Those days are gone. Yeah, and um, it, we don't live in the Mark McGuire days anymore. <laughs> and uh, that's really it, um, regardless of what the balls are doing these days. But um, it you can't, it's one-dimensional, right, having a guy like that on a – Chris Davis does dance in some other ones, but he does he is, for the most part, a power hitter. So if right. he's not hitting home runs, he's doing what? Striking out. No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, we're – 
you've gotten past the days of just hoping and hitting the home run. I know the Blue Jays still live or die by the home run, and it's a whole other fun conversation. But yeah, I think they want rounded out this season a little bit more. But early on here, you're still seeing that the uh, home run is every game we've hit a home run and we've won. Yeah, no, that's so, true. And Tim Beckham gets uh, Kevin Pillar chasing back to the wall here. It scores another run, but nice. Pillar made a nice catch on that, but there was no way in heck he was going to be able to get anything outside of that. No, no, no. So, but it's it's one of those things that, I don't know, I, I just feel that this year the Blue Jays aren't really relying on the home runs. It's just something that has been just there for them like it's, it's just happened and again it's kind of like a byproduct you mean yeah but All right. i don't think they're sort of hoping for it you know mm-hmm. so but yeah um regardless of that we got some trouble going on here in this inning man <laughs> we shouldn't have said it i guess that guy on twitter that you were talking about jinxed it for uh Estrada. <laughs> <A little laughs> sorry that's me a... passing blame <laughs> yeah that's all right it's uh look i will take either a split or two out of three every series. I still consider that a success. You know? Yep. I agree. And in all reality, a in my opinion, a typical start for a major league pitcher is three runs. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be accounting for a team on how you need to win a game, you need to be pushing three, four runs across the plate each game. Mm-hmm. And right now, this is not unsurmountable for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yes, we don't have Donaldson and whatnot in the game right now. Doesn't mean they're unavailable. They were hoped Donaldson was supposed to be getting a day of rest along with Martin and everybody else. So, um, but yeah, it's one way or the other. Marco Estrada and he get bears in here and gets uh, gets us out of this inning. He, if he gives me five six innings like we were talking about, the bullpen's rested and we got an extra arm down there in Mesa right now. Mm-hmm. Not the end of the world. No, 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 no. I, I look. It, there are going to be games that you should win that you don't, and that's just part of the game. It happens. Um, I, I think, you know, expecting a sweep at any time is—I don't want to say it's irresponsible. I just think it's sort of like it depends on the team. I guess you're playing. Exactly. Yeah, we were talking a lot about how bad the Orioles are, and they are bad. Don't get me wrong; they are bad. But, like, let's not forget that Estrada a couple times through the lineup or twice through the lineup, like, hitters tend to figure him out. Like, that has been a thing. Mm-hmm. This isn't new. So, you know, I'm not saying that makes him bad or unqualified. I'm no. just saying, like, this is just how he's historically been. That's all. Exactly. So, but like I said, if you get a typical outing from four guy, or four uh, runs on a pitcher, it shouldn't be uns- unsurmountable. This, this, built, this offense that we have as a team is better than – Four runs a game, right oh, now. Yeah. I think I can't think I was reading the stat the other day that they were averaging five point four runs a game so far. Really? Um, those obviously we put a few crooked games up. Yeah. That really sways that one direction and then small sample size, but um, I can't remember what I wrote in that article with the comparing the um pre- projected numbers to last season or not, but. Our run, our runs per game last year were pretty ru- low. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's already an improvement as uh, Marco Estrada does get out of the inning here. So we're gonna have Luke Maley, Gifton Gope, and Curtis Granderson coming up at the top of the uh, inning. Or yeah, top of the inning. Forgot where we're winning. Yep. <laughs> yeah. so. It's not a. Uh... 
not the best of uh, you know lineups to start with, but you know what? Like whatever. Like I again, we we were just talking about it. Uh, I know that you know power has been on their side this year, but compared to previous line lineups, you know, in previous years, to me, it's, it's I don't think this team was built on power. I no. think Atkins and Spiro have uh, made a conscious effort to make a, a much more well-rounded and balanced lineup into field. I, I really believe that. And I think, honestly, one way or the other, if it, honestly, I think what they built the team, if you're looking at it on paper, this is a solid defense all around. That you, yeah. you found guys that can hit hard line drives. You know, that's why you yeah. bring in Curtis Granderson. <laughs> you know, you got guys like that. Uh, I read someplace at the beginning of the season that Grychuk had one of the, in the StatCast era, he was one of the ones that was averaging some of the hardest hit balls in baseball. Obviously, yep. we have not seen that yet from him. He's in an abysmal slump still, regardless of having the double the other night. Um, but he's tooling around with his swing a lot, and I agree with what they were saying. I was going to write an article about it the other day that it just looked like he was too crouched and sitting uh, tonight, he looks a lot better, upright, a little bit more comfortable in the box. Have you? Did you notice that in his first at bat? I did notice that uh, it was either yesterday's game or the game before that they were they were replaying his uh, first home run in Toronto, and his stance was much more upright, and he seemed much more comfortable. I did notice that he's, he's the, the the crouching. I just. It looks a little too old school for me. I'm, I'm just not comfortable with it. Yeah, and then coupled with those awesome socks, you know, <laughs> it's yeah, just completely yeah. old school. I maybe it was just me. I uh, I never when I was playing, I never wanted to. Oh, Luke Maley's got a base hit, so go. we got something cooking already. But um, I, it just looked like he was sitting on a stool with his feet on the ground, right. you know, whatnot. Yeah. Kind of rigid, a little too open. It's really, really hard to get a good stride. And load up on your back leg properly when you are getting anything like that going. So it was nice to see him a little bit more relaxed and not as rigid in that crouch last night and tonight. So I think it's only going to help him, but it is one of those things you got to get used to because I'm sure he got used to that extreme crouch during the spring. Yeah, I mean, like, look, if he starts to turn it around and still is, you know, maintaining the same batting stance, then who am I? But to me, it just seems awkward. It looks uncomfortable. So if it, if it looks uncomfortable, I feel like, you know, it leads you to believe that physically it is uncomfortable. So I don't know. He'll, I'm sure this isn't news to him. I'm sure the hitting coaches on the team have said something to him. I would imagine they have I would hope they did, I, you know. Yeah, and um, know. it sounds like he's, at least what I heard on the broadcast last night, he's uh, open to the uh, constructive criticism that he's been mm. getting from the coaching staff, period. And um, I think that's where the reduced crouch came from last night as Gifton Gope hits a nice liner, but right to Adam Jones, unfortunately, for the first out. So, yeah. but it's one of those things. It's you, get, you take the input as you go, and this is for any athletic career you can possibly have you got you can't just do it all on your own you got to take no, at least right. these pieces of things from other people to improve your you know worth at the plate especially in this situation because we know Grychuk is going to play great defense it's like having yes. two Kevin Pillars out there with him out in right field I love it 
was certainly going to be better than what we had in right field last season. No disrespect to Bautista, but come on. Like, His defense was falling off a cliff. So yeah. Um, but yeah, and and then the funny thing is, we're talking about how Bautista's getting old, got old, and then Curtis Granderson is just Curtis Granderson. <laughs> Still going. Uh, it's amazing what the differences in between two different players can be because I think Granderson is he looks like he's in his early 30s compared to the way he's been playing so far. He's running good bases. Um, did you see the play? I can't remember if it was last night or the night before, but I want to say it was last night that uh, Smoke was called for catcher's interference, but um, on a steal from Granderson was trying to get the second, and then he realized what, that he was going to be probably out, but beat the tag there and then kept running the third. It was a smart play. There was nobody at third base. I would have took that gamble, especially early in the game. Unfortunately, he would have been out by a mile, but that had to have been a perfect throw, and Andrew Kashner had to have been paying attention. And that was what honestly shocked me the most about it. Especially on bang-bang plays like that on a pickoff or a throwdown for a stolen base. Usually the pitchers crouch at the mound and don't pay attention to what's going on. So says something about the veteran presence on the team for someone like that. Like that takes, I feel like, something that experiences. Sorry, something that experiences teaches you in the game oh exactly and um regardless of the fact like i said it looked a little funky when it happened but um if you were it i think it was just because the way it's presented on tv you couldn't see that in the regular broadcast feed that there was nobody standing on third base that's the reason he went (laughs) unfortunately it all got reversed anyways because Smokey was uh allegedly in or i guess he bumped uh caleb joseph in the midst of that, so he's already brought back to first in that situation because the right. ball's dead. So, but yeah. So hopefully Grandy can come in with something here because he's been putting up a heck of a fight. That was the sixth pitch of the at-bat already, uh, and he's got a 2-2 count with one out, and Luke Maley's at first. Yeah, he's hacking away. Um, speaking of veterans on the team, I, I kind of wanted to get your take on this. Um, we didn't talk about it much but to me I think it's so it's a it's very good that the Blue Jays are playing as well as they are and the depth is picking up the load because if they weren't I feel like the whole Troy Tulowitzki thing would be a little bit exacerbated right because oh yeah I just you haven't noticed it you haven't noticed it but starting the year on the 60 day DL that's like Mm, something else is up, and I was only uh, I was on the assumption that this was a one ankle injury. It turned into he got surgery on both. To me, this is going to be very difficult for him to come back to, and it wouldn't shock me if like we've seen the best days of Troy Tulowitzki. It's amazing what a cleanup job on a foot can do, though. To, to be the other devil's advocate on that, you know, if he's been dealing with that the last couple of years and. That might be the night and day switch, you know. But it's going to be one of those things. I I'm not expecting him back anytime soon, regardless of when the, you know, the quote unquote 60 day DL time is over with. You know, yeah, I'm talking. I was thinking I'll start breaking my head because not only okay, he's healthy enough to get on the field, he's going to go down to Dunedin to do the you know sports complex stuff, get back in right. shape, and then he's going to do a rehab stint. That's usually a week or so. You're talking easy All Star break. By that time, yeah. all that settles yeah. in. Yeah, it's not like he can do anything right now either, right? It's not like he can be working on his cardio or anything because his... his you have no base. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and and I'm I've always been a big uh, Troy Tulowinski fan. I love the way he what he brings to a team. Period. Um, right. And regardless, I just think he's a good player. Still, regard he's going to play Gold Glove level sec- shortstop. Uh, maybe not after this heel stuff, but. Maybe that, like I said, maybe that's the difference between why he's been hurt the last couple of years. He's been compensating for these issues and not knowing it. You know, I think if he was going to go under the knife for one foot anyways, why not do the other one? <laughs> I just, to me, this having both feet operated on, to me, that's just like, uh, I, I don't know. I think that's, I get what you're saying, and I see that maybe if they clean it up and he can sort of, you know, become something better than what we've seen last year at the very least. Yeah. Sure, I, I can see that. But to me, at his age, I don't know. That to me is a big question mark. And I would, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd love to see him come back, but uh, I'm comfy at the moment. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, this is why. Like, I'm glad we have this depth because if we didn't, I think we'd be very worried. Like, if yeah. it was Barney and, uh, Oh, if you got Gons and Barney, <laughs> as we actually get a Luke Maley scoring run in <laughs> on a younger Solarte uh, single. So, um, yeah, that works. So now we're going to have runners on first and second because Justin Smoke had walked while we were uh, discussing the Troy Chulwinski saga as well. But uh, Solarte put a nice hit on this and muscled yeah. that ball that was kind of drifting inside on him, it looked like. Did you see his home run? Uh, what was it? Was it? On Friday, is that the one Saturday? against Texas? Yeah, he just leaned on it. And just, <laughs> oh, it was awesome, dude! It was such a good hit, and it's, it was almost just like he put his all into it. But he just—it was like this inside pitch that he just leaned back on and just crushed. Like I, I, he, I feel like he's going to be like a fan favorite for this team. Like I, it, he's going to be one of those quiet ones that just have so much personality. But I just feel like players are going to gravitate towards him, sort of like yep. not maybe not on the same level, but sort of like Kawasaki. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll talk about that after we say. Did you see that rocket that Pierce was hit down the line? That was a nice catch by uh, who's the third baseman now? Is that it's not Scope because <laughs> Machado's so, playing short these days. Oh, Beckham. So yes. that was a nice pick by him. So, but yeah, um, honestly, I, I I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter already that. It looks like Solarte is already the new Monori Kawasaki. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's showing the dan- the Solarte parte dance off stuff all over the place, and uh, I love how when he gets on base, he does that giant like almost like alligator clap. clap <laughs> yeah. yeah. And kind of like, yeah, that's right, let's go, <laughs> you know. But um, and I, I think that goes back to that conversation we were talking about with the character. You brought a guy in that. It is amazing what a person like him that plays solid baseball and it, it is a little bit of a fun character, you know, will do to a dugout. It's insane how it loosens up in the darkest of days, how somebody like that can come in and light up the room a little bit and be, make it not as dismal, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's it's one of those guys that you can definitely have light up the locker room. And, like, he doesn't seem like anybody that's, clicky or anything he just cares about having fun and winning and that to me i'm just like i like that on my team i really do i i gravitate towards those players yeah I mean, it's it's infectious you know you get the and and he's a solid baseball player too <laughs> so yeah. it's not like he doesn't deserve to be there which you could have made the argument from kawasaki anyway this guy hit 18 home runs last year 
and he's been in double digits now for since 2014 in home runs. So, <laughs> and he's been actually yeah. above 60 RBIs the last three seasons. It would, so this is a guy that one way or the other, he finds a way to grind and play for the team, you know, and it could be as simple as what we've seen so far by, you know, getting the timely hit and then being that guy in the dugout to get everybody going. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's something that's valuable and not talked about a bunch like we do. It's, you look at numbers and you look at <clears throat> prestige and you look at namesake when it comes to players, but I mean, like, I don't know how many of the casual fans knew who he was before coming in, but I would like to probably bet that not a lot. And now, like, Toronto is just one of those places that you can certainly make a name for yourself, and I think he's doing it. And, I, and like you said, his personality is very infectious, and I think that helps out a lot. Yeah, well, and and, and as Marco Strada gets back to work here uh, with a fly ball that Kevin Pillar just misses... So yeah. it's going to be an easy double, and uh, but you can you see it in trial sports over and over and over again. Yeah, I know mostly on the baseball side, but look at the guys that have become the fan favorites over the last few years. Other than outside the you know the typical players like Donaldson and whatnot right. like that, um, it's the John, John McDonalds, you know, yeah. the, um, the Minori Kawasaki's. These guys that are the fun-loving characters, and I think a lot of that's just due to the working-class mentality of the area around Toronto, period, not just the, you know, it's it, this is a game. It's supposed to be fun. <laughs> yeah, you could throw in Joe Biagini in there as well. like Yeah, high-fiving Jimmy <laughs> Fallon on a mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The players with the personalities, for sure, are the ones that are highlighted and the ones that fans definitely gravitate towards. And I think that says a lot. And obviously you need them to get it done. And, you know, a, a lot of those players really haven't. Like John McDonald, sure, defensively he was outstanding. But, like, offensively he was – he reminded me – like, I, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Like, Ryan Goins was John McDonald light. Yep. <laughs> so, but, yeah, that's exactly it. And speaking of Joe Biagini, the, though, did you see um, his stat line for the opening day for the Buffalo Bison set? No, I have not. How was it? It was insane. I honestly, oh. it looked like he was a different pitcher or something like that. Um, I, I had the, I was able to watch a little bit of it on ML, on MILB TV, but he pitched five innings and allowed just two hits. And this is the one that shocked wow. me the most. He only walked one guy <laughs> and struck out four. So that was a solid start against for him, and it was against the Paw Sox. So. A respectable organization. It's not like he was playing the uh, some team that has been dumping all their players at the AAA level or anything. The Paw Sox are got a heck of a lineup. Yeah, no, it's he's certainly. A, I noticed during the spring that he slimmed down a lot this year, and he seems determined to you know have one role to stick with and excel at it. Mm-hmm. And that was something that you know we've, we've talked about this before too. Like he. As long as they give him a direction and he sticks with it, I'm I'm for it. And if it's gonna take for him to excel as a starter, then fine. Like I just I just want them to stick with it, and that's a really good sign that he had such an excellent start. So I'm yeah. for it. And speaking of starts and stuff that start off on a great note, uh, Marco Estrada has definitely come off the wheels here, and uh, yeah. as he just walked the bases loaded. Um, yeah. 
you know, Pete Walker is on his way out to talk to Estrada, but how much of this is buying time at the moment? I saw they had Danny Barnes up in the uh, bullpen a moment ago. Yeah. Um, it's amazing because the Orioles still only have four hits on the board. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, uh, it's, it's one of those outings. Like, it's not a, a very poor outing by him by any means, but... You know, just you get what you get, and no. it's it's not something I feel like I think people should feel discouraged with. It, it no. isn't, but the no. biggest problem with this whole situation is right now the bases are now loaded with Manny Machado at the dish. Yes, yes. So, yeah. And the first pitch looked pretty damn good though, <laughs> making him wave at a change up on the outside half. So, but yeah, um, as far as the pitching staff stuff that we were talking about earlier. Biagini's technically on the outside looking in right now, and he's with with guys that are uh, the younger guys at least. Oh, Grychuk just missed that ball. Yeah, he did. Yep, I think he's just gotta he's gotta just get comfortable with in one role, and once he does, I just feel like he'll be good to go. Like I, I just. He might be like like we've talked about Jaime Garcia being, you know, he he still has the ability um, to be optioned next year. Um, I think that if that doesn't work out, you have an ace in the hole in uh, Joe Biagini to bring up. And um, if he gets a full season of rotation work in again at the AAA level, um, I honestly I don't think that'd be the worst thing in the world for his development. He knows he can pitch right. in the majors. He's been a bullpen arm, okay? He's had some ups and downs as a starter. Prove it to me that you can do that, and then we'll give you a good shot. And I'm thinking that ball for uh, that dive on Grychuk was foul. I think so, too. It, uh, that was pretty uh, close. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. it hit the ground before it hit his glove, I feel. No? Yeah. As they go for the instant replay here, I think this one's going to get overturned, and uh, Machado's going to be back at the plate. But we'll see. Yeah. Because I don't think they – it's not like football where they call it on the line or anything, but, oh, they're no. wondering if it hit his glove. I think it hit the ground before his glove. Watch. I still can't tell from that angle they're showing right now, but – Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, it might have hit uh, – That's the arguing point right now is if it hit the glove, he's probably, it's going to be a fair ball because he was in play right. for the most yeah. part and then knocked it into foul territory. So – yeah. At least that's going to be the everyday argument, I bet. So. Well, yeah. This and is the as we replay. hurry up and wait here <laughs> and watch yeah. Chuck stretch. <laughs> so. This is where that guy in the stands is going to yell out, What are you going to do now, Buck? <laughs> Did you hear that? that the other? Was a classic. Yeah, that was a classic. I think that was after the Grand Slam, was it not? I think so, or it was just before it, one or the other. Yeah. But um, Ian Hunter uh, had that clip playing in a loop on his uh, Twitter feed the, uh, earlier today, and I was like, that's gold. <laughs> I remember hearing it, and I'm like, did I hear that in the middle of the game yesterday? So, Yeah. It was one of those things I thought might have been just my inner monologue going, oh, maybe that's what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... Now, they're sure taking a sweet time with this. Wasn't this supposed to be time? Wasn't this supposed to be, like, 30 seconds or, or, or a minute? 
I thought that was part of the new pace of play rules, and uh, you see Buck coming out here. uh, (laughs) I wonder if he's just getting fed up with it. He's talking to the third base or the first base coach, Wayne Kirby, bringing guys back for names there. (laughs) I I can't stand Buck. I just. (laughs) I was talking to my buddy Ryan about this that, you know, if. I don't wish anybody to, you know, lose their job. But at the same time, I'm just tired of seeing him. He just complains about everything, everything. Oh yeah. He's so nitpicky, you know. Never his fault. <laughs> no, never, never. He invented baseball, don't you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh wait, you didn't he's know that? No, he's responsible <laughs> for this game that we're watching. So, <laughs> bow down. Oh. Yeah. So. I, 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 he's always mad. <laughs> Every time he goes to the Rogers Center, he's always poking at the turf and saying, this is not right. I don't want to put my players on this, yet every other Major yeah. League Baseball team puts it out there every day. <laughs> yeah, well, guess what? If, if you don't want to put your players out there, forfeit the games and look like an idiot doing it. You know, yeah. like, that's, uh, that's fine with me. Pay the play. If you want to be a brat about it, go right ahead. My seven-year-old will love a friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know what? I, I'm surprised that he is still the manager of this team. I think it's because he is usually pretty good with younger guys, but it's getting to that really? point where they, at least that's the one thing I've heard. But Headphones coming off. Headphones are coming off. <laughs> oh, never mind. And they're back on. <laughs> yeah. Wait, for Wait for it. Wait for it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, how does this not mess up? This one up? is getting a little ridiculous. Yeah, this has got to mess up your starting pitcher. Like, I know he's tossing a few right now, but at the same time, like, your rhythm is all thrown off. And Everything, that, you know, yeah. everyone's standing still. It's probably cold. It's Baltimore. Like, Definitely doesn't on. look warm looking at the seats. The uh, fans are all in winter coat attire. You're speaking of seats. It looks like they the are giving him the single. Look, yeah, yep, yes, yes. There you go. So why is Buck out there yelling at him now if they didn't give him the single? <laughs> Hold on one second. I, gotta, I still think we should get two bases, you know, because it's so long. <laughs> and being the inventor of this game, I, uh, the rule is... <laughs> Tell me how you really feel about it, Adam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, so. why are you even... Uh, so, anyway, speaking of attendance and whatnot, did you see the Chicago White Sox attendance? How pathetic it was. Is that the one that was like <laughs> or a major league Triple. baseball game? Triple <laughs> digits, Greg. Triple. And they have a good team too. I if I, I'd be excited to watch all those young players play now, but then again, it's just disgustingly cold uh, in Chicago and most of the northeast in general right now. So. It's true. True, and they were playing Tampa Bay. And then that's such a draw. Yeah. So you got two terrible teams. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Whose youth will win for the quadruple yeah. white sock quadruple A White Sox? <laughs> yeah. That's like a, a signed local band uh, uh, <laughs> co- uh, concert attendance right there, nine hundred and seventy five. Uh, as we're as, talking another run crosses. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And it's just starting to bleed for Marco Estrada now, so it wouldn't surprise me if we see Gibby coming out of the dugout here in a sec. I'm kinda of surprised he's not out already. 
You say Barnes is in the pen right now, ready to go? That's what it looked like. He's I would assume he's ready to go by now. Yeah. All these batters, though, all these base runners are going to be Estradas, though, if they cross. Mm-hmm. So. And as far as the rest of the lineup, I, this will be... Uh, that was Jonathan Scope that just hit that. Adam Jones is going to be up next. So this is a, still a threatening part of the Orioles lineup. And, yes, we are getting Danny Barnes sprinting out of the uh, bullpen. So he's going to face Adam Jones, Pedro Sanchez, and Chris Davis. So, like, no, that's a tall order. Yeah, not the best of starts, but certainly, as we've been talking about, it's still April. It's not discouraging enough where I'm just like, ah, oh, he's garbage. Like, it's whatever. Like, Yeah, and maybe the Orioles just finally got some rest after the, you know, 14, 15 inning marathon that they had against the Yankees and that us beating them up the last couple of days. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Something changed. Possible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, there's not a lot of a uh, lot of offense right now uh, helping the Blue Jays out. So no, uh, but hopefully they'll get Gossman out and uh, the next inning here or so, and maybe we'll be able to do something against the very tired bullpen of the uh, Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, yeah. So. The only thing that's been their saving grace for their bullpen the last couple of days is Cashner pitched pretty well, and then uh, who had the start the other night? Oh, Bundy. Oh, um, mm. So they've gotten a couple good starts, so their bullpen is a little fresher, but you, you blew a whole bullpen on that extra inning game against the Yankees over the weekend, so that's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's still an opportunity. Yeah. I was just looking to see if there was anything uh, where the Blue Jays were picking up in the lineup on the next inning, and it doesn't show on MLB.com. I'd have to go back and dive through a three down inning. No, it wasn't. We scored a run. No, it wasn't. That's right. So I think we're in the Smoke Solarte ballpark in the lineup right now. But. the game day thing is not letting me change innings. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right, Steve Pierce was the last out, it looks like. Oh, yeah, that's right. He uh, lined out the third. So, yeah, we're going to be at Pilar Grychuk Diaz for yeah, it, assuming we get out of this in a timely fashion. Yeah, as soon as I bring up the pace of play. <laughs> you had to jinx it. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, that's right. Got to slow the game down. And fine. home. Yeah. yeah. So, SDA Barnes has 1-0 count so far to Adam Jones, and it's going to be a quick 2-0 after he pitches one high and inside. So, yeah. Danny Barnes has been pretty good so far, though. He's only gotten in five and a third innings so far, but he's allowed just one run, it looks like. Yeah, one run so far. Showing the Adam Jones stats with the bases loaded. He's a two seventy four career hitter with one grand slam. And you think the numbers would be a little higher given Adam Jones' prowess here. Yeah, I, I as far as Adam Jones goes, I've never still seen him as the prototypical power hitter. I've always no, seen him as like, a athletic outfielder one way or the other. So what does he hit, like 20 home runs a season, something like that? Something like that, but like you figured, given the longevity of his career, that he would have more than one grand slam, you know? 
Yeah, he's used, he's been pushing 30 home runs. It looks like the last couple, the last few years since 2012, he's been right on that line. <laughs> so he's just one of those guys. He just comes and sneaks in. You know, he contributes every game, and he pretty much plays every year, all day, yeah. every day. You know, the yeah. lowest he's had in contributions on games in the in that time frame I was just talking about from 2010, he's played at least. Uh, 137 games. Yeah. yeah. So, the reason he's in probably the captain of the uh, Baltimore Orioles as he swings at a heck of a pitch <laughs> from Danny Barnes and makes him look kind of silly, spin him around. So, yeah, if they can, if he can bail out Estrada here with the ground ball double play, I'll take that. I'll eat that run. That's fine. Yeah, I'm good with that. But um, and Barnes is usually a pretty good candidate for a ground ball too. So. Mm-hmm. He's got that nice singing action they're showing in that fastball. So we'll see. It. It, yeah, it's do or die right now. But you gotta love that epic beard too. <laughs> that thing could be like Peter Griffin and have a bird living in it. <laughs> He's up uh, 0-1. So that was a heck of a pitch too on the outer half too. That thing kind of had like a. Must have been a four seam fastball cur- or a two seam fastball curve in that mm-hmm. direction. Yeah, it's a little odd. So this is the, one of those times you got to put trust in Maley too, and just makes me uh, swing and a miss. It makes me. Uh, uh, I know you got to do it. I know <laughs> this is what the backup catcher is for. I get it, but I just feel like we're gonna see. A, I hope you're right when it comes to the whole placeholder thing. I really do. He's a solid defensive catcher. I'll give him that. And anything yeah. you get out of the plate. And that's usually what you want in a backup catcher. It's just hard. I think it's because of this conversation we were having earlier with the possible placeholder parts of this whole thing. There is a lot of talent in catching depth for the first time ever <laughs> in the Toronto Blue Jays system. Yeah. We're not talking Ken Huckabee's and Kevin Cash's as top catching prospects. Sorry, I was doing air quotes and nobody can see. <laughs> um Danny Jansen has just been something incredible so far in the last basically year, but we he was expected to hit the whole time. It's just like he finally got a pair of specs, yeah. and the lights went on. You know, it's, it's one of the players that the specs actually worked for, and he's he's made. Uh, I think it's an age thing. Pentecost. He's on the right side of that equation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's made he's made Pentecost pretty much an afterthought because I I remember there was a time that Pentecost was the next guy. And I think yeah. he could have been, too. And I, I still think Pentecost is going to be a Major League Baseball player one way or the other. But I think he's a first baseman at this yeah, point in his career. Maybe a left fielder. But they haven't been talking with that idea. But I think he's athletic enough that it would he might do that. And mm-hmm. honestly, I'll even throw this one out there. And I was talking about this with uh, some, uh, actually, funny enough, one of my contacts with the Fisher Cats. I'm like, are we ever going to see him play third base? It, he fits that Josh Donaldson mold to me. That you know, he, okay, he can catch, but he's really damn athletic. <laughs> really? So you think he has that sort of potential? I just think if he can pick it and he's there athletic, go. there you go. So there we go. We got two outs. Got right there. Yeah. So yeah. Danny Barnes is coming in here and uh, is proving my theory from the other night when I was talking to Brand Panikar wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I I gave him the comp. Uh, him and I were talking to Danny Barnes the other night, and uh, we were. I was like, "Does he just remind you of Jason Frazier like way too much, or is it just me?" I can see that. Wow, there's another guy from the Black Jays era. Oh <laughs> man, 
Fraser. Wow. And he got traded to Chicago, I want to say it was. I believe so. White Sox. Yeah. yeah. Just well, that idea that he kind of always plays with fire a little bit, but he has great stuff yeah. is what kind of reminds me of him. But Wow. Bringing up names that I haven't heard in <laughs> years. That's why you love talking to me, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's true. We both yeah. have a serious addiction to Blue Jays baseball. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Like, I, I think you've said this too. Like, a lot of people hated that logo. To me, it's sort of sentimental in a way. It's because you grew up with it for the most part. You yeah, know, it's, I mean, like, you know, you're the same age as me where you were, you know, a toddler, you know, watching the freaking Blue Jays win the World Series and whatnot. And then, and, well, I got to say it now. We got out of the inning. <laughs> Yeah, boom, bailed out. So, um, watching growing – when you got really into baseball, old enough to appreciate it, that was what was going on. Exactly. It was the Angry Bird, yeah. right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, I'm 32 now, and during, like, my – when I discovered what fanhood is and being ridiculously obsessed with the team to the point that you're researching it all the time – and like spending a lot of your creative energy on the team. Yes, that was the logo at the time. And, you know, I, I get the whole thing of it wasn't a blue logo and we're the Blue Jays. But at the same time, I'm just like, I, I get it. But looking back at it, I'm just like, I, I had a lot of good memories with that logo. Even the stupid T logo, I had a lot oh. of good memories with that too. <laughs> That's because we should have had the Cy Young and MVP that year. <laughs> yes, yes. Frickin' yes. A-Rod. <laughs> yep. Oh, I just love that after all that all that came out, you know, after the fact it's like, okay, the one year he admitted to doing steroids was the year he won the MVP with the Rangers. Oh, the runner up that year for the MVP was Carlos Delgado. <laughs> Thanks, guy, you stole that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and that was the year Roy Holiday obviously is famous for winning his first Cy Young Award, so how do you I, we've never talked about this and it might be a little interesting conversation in between the innings here. Yeah. How do you feel about the whole uh, steroid users, known steroid users, or let's just say um, not just accused but admitted steroid users mm -hmm. uh, being in the Hall of Fame? Because here in New England, a lot of Red Sox fans want to forget that David Ortiz was busted for PEDs. And this, these are the same people that say A-Rod shouldn't be in because of the same reasons, but yep. that means – okay, then that means David Ortiz can't either. And they sort of like pump their brakes and are like, oh, yeah, maybe people should be in. So I just want to know what your take on it yeah. is. So for me, being a person that's always been little and wanting to play Major League Baseball my whole life, watching people at my level, even when I was playing in college, sneak in and do good by doing something mm -hmm. a little extra, it's full-on cheating to me. And you're never going to change my okay. mind. Um, I will admit Jacking up your uh, muscles does not mean you're actually going to ever be able to hit a Major League Baseball. Perfect example, Jeremy frickin' Giambi. <laughs> yeah. So um, my biggest issue with the whole situation is I think there's already guys possibly in the Hall of Fame without naming names and getting put on record like that um, <laughs> that are possibly, you know, you've already created the stigma without even really paying attention to it. Um, and they're guys I, I, the guys that I think are not the ones that you would ever in a million years think. I just Certain careers were extended a little longer than I would have ever imagined for these players that I'm thinking of. Um, so 
Then the fact that one obvious one. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. (laughs) So as far as the David Ortiz um, argument goes, the A Rods, the Maguires, the Sosas, Bonds, all that kind of stuff. My biggest thing is, let's say I had a Hall of Fame ballot. I grew up watching baseball all day, every day with those guys. And like you said, when I became a real fan of the sport, right. I can never imagine putting my name next to one of those guys' names. Just for the fact that not only is it cheating, it's a character thing. And that is the, one of the highest criteria things that are written right on the ballot. It's based on merit and content of your character. And that's something, in my opinion... I'm not going to point to somebody like Barry Bonds and say, this is the guy that's your role model for being a major league baseball player. All right. So in that aspect, I, I'm not saying you're, you're wrong. Obviously you, you can't say you're wrong. Yeah, your no. Opinion. <laughs> and I, I'd love to hear yours. You have to eliminate players like Ty Cobb and, uh, you know, Pete Rose can never be in the hall of fame. Yeah. If we're, if we're, if we're including content of character. Oh, I agree. And you know, um, as far as it goes, but that's one of those ones that Ty Cobb is the extreme on the one, <laughs> and all, and it was the players that hated him. <laughs> beat up a handicap man. That I did remember that story. Now that you mentioned that, so but as far as it goes, uh, when did that get put on the ballot? Would be my next question. Okay, fair. fair so yeah, because um, the first class is Cobb, Ruth, so on and so forth. <laughs> so right. Um. In regards to steroid users, I'm with you that it is cheating. Uh, it wouldn't surprise so far, and I don't like to lend him a lot of credit or a lot of you know publicity whatsoever. But you got to admit that what Jose Canseco has said about some players has been accurate. Oh, I agree with right? that statement. And he has said, without naming names, uh, there are players in the Hall of Fame currently that did take steroids that were never caught. And I mm-hmm. do believe that. But, you know, if you were never caught, like, you're never going to – there's no way to know, right? Unless oh, yeah. they know and just keeping it buried. But that's besides the point. If you were caught, I don't think you should be allowed in. Like, I, I don't think the Sosas should be allowed in. I don't think the McGuire should be allowed in. I don't think the Clemens should be around in allowed in. Mm-hmm. And that, unfortunately, for – some fans, I don't, I don't think um, Ortiz or A Rod should be allowed in. Yeah. And, and it's know, the same I, I, thing as gambling with the Pete Rose situation to me. You did something that was not meant for baseball, and it was clearly against the rules. Yep. You know, like this isn't something that he was just like going out after games and playing poker, and that's it. No, he was mm-hmm. betting on his own team. Like you can't do that. Exactly. Please. You know. So it's going to influence your decisions. I, I don't believe him at all saying like it would. No, it's going to influence your decisions. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I, I don't think these players should be allowed in. Now I get that the argument of, well, if everyone was doing it, then it's even. I refuse to believe that everyone was doing it. I don't think everybody was doing it. And I think there's plenty of cases in the situation where there were guys that weren't doing it. You know, Fred McGriff is one of those guys that comes into my mind right off the bat as Alessandro Diaz hits a nice ball and it's out of here. <laughs> so nice little swing there too. Yeah, he uncorked that thing pretty nice. I liked it. Yeah. I, I love Alessandro Diaz's swing. It's just quick to the plate, and um, 
I think it's honestly a lot of players that if you were looking for a model swing to look at, you know, it's pretty quick to the plate, at least watching his hands. Mm -hmm. So either way, we're we're still in this game. And um, regardless of what that was last inning, excuse me, uh, Marco Estrada got in some trouble and Danny Barnes came down and kept us right in this one. And that, that is going to be one of those things that you are looking in the box score tomorrow morning if you weren't paying attention. That is completely lost. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, and, you know, Axford's going to – I saw him warming up, so yep. I think he might man the, the bottom of the sixth. But, you know, this is, again, the depth. Like, you're not seeing Goins or Barney do this last year. You're just not. And if you really – yeah, well, there's that. And if you honestly really wanted to grab one of Troy Tulowinski's seasons, let's say, and just look through what we're through 10 games now or so, look at yeah. one of his best seasons and see what he did in the first you know month or something like that. Elizabeth Diaz is probably in the ballpark. I'm definitely saying he might not be on the best season yeah. of Troy Tulowinski's pace, but for a small sample size, I'm, I'm buying everything that is Elizabeth Diaz at this point. No, I, I, I do too. I, I, I don't think that, you know, comparison is it shouldn't be lost on anyone. Um, I, obviously, I know what you're saying. You're not saying that he's the equivalent to Troy Tulowitzki yeah. prime. However, he's a, a much better replacement than what the Blue Jays could be having right now. And I think uh, players like this, like, it just goes to show you how much research and uh, how much digging this front office does when it comes to evaluating talent and i think that you know given that they recognize the errors of last year and why the the jays performed so poorly you know they they certainly did their part to mitigate those issues this year yeah and it's exactly it they uh found out that their hole wasn't exactly their offense or their pitching to begin with it was the fact that they had no one to come in after if somebody went down and we exactly. saw that in spades last season. So you already kind of guessed that Troy Tulowinski before this season was going to get hurt in some fashion for at least a 15-day DL spot. And having yeah, somebody like yeah. Diaz ready, there you go. Yeah, and <clears throat> excuse me. Um, with and this speaks to Martin. Like I, I know in the beginning of the year, I was like, I can't trust Martin or Tro- Troy Tulowinski to play 100 games this year. And, you know, I, I'm still holding that standard to whiskey. I still don't trust him, you know, to play that that many. And obviously it's not looking good at all. Um, and like you said, it's going to extend past 60. I, I think I'm with you right there. So there you go. But with Martin, yeah, you're mitigating it right now by having him, you know, two on, one off. Uh, that body takes a toll, especially behind the plate. Like he has said how he gets beat <laughs> up back there. And, it's still, I'm still not comfortable that he'll crack 100 games this year. Maybe I'm alone in that. Yeah. Sorry for the chuckle mid-conversation there. But I see Solarte dancing in the freaking dugout. I, I can't it. help myself. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, as far as the Martins, the Diaz's, and whatnot go, um, worst case scenario, I right now I'd even be happy with Danny Espinosa coming up and playing shortstop, for, and he's right now with the Buffalo Bisons. So mm-hmm. that that's the kind of depth we're speaking of here, and that's before you even go that next level to the Lord's Gabriels, the Boba Shats, and so on and so forth. How much, um, uh, I'm trying to phrase this question carefully. Yeah. Do you think he was, it was sort of slight, he felt slighted that Ngope got the nod instead of Espinosa? Like, do you think Espinosa sort of took that personally? I wouldn't be shocked, but if anything, he's probably using it as a motivation thing. 
because he strikes me as that yeah, kind of player. Um, and yeah. in all reality, I don't know how long the Gift and Gope uh, experiment is going to last. Um, I honestly think, um, and I was hoping to bring this up some point during our show here too, but I guess now is just as good a time as any. The yeah, Tim Meza thing that just happened. This might have been the kickoff of the revolving door for some of these minor league guys with those couple extra spots that are, you know, right. the gift and gope spot, the one extra bullpen guy, whatever you want to call it spot. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't know what Ngope has done for at the plate, but I want to say he only has two hits. A lot of that is due to playing time, I am certain of, but I, I just can't have another hole like that. He's got one hit prior to tonight in six games, 10, bat, ten at-bats which isn't a lot. But I think a lot of that was they, they didn't have any options on him. Yeah. So get an extended look at him, bring him up with a big club. If Espinosa was willing to take the minor league assignment, which clearly he was, mm-hmm. this is your opportunity to hold on to a guy that might be good. I still like what Ngope has in his toolbox, but I, I need to find a way to watch him hit. And if he's not going to do it, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, it- yeah, and they definitely have the depth to sort of, like, have that revolving door, right? Unlike last year, where they were like, well, this is what we got, is what we got. They can afford to be like, hey, like, either put up or shut up quickly. Because if you don't, we're, we we have people that can come up and, and take your spot. And, uh, I, look, I, I don't think that he's a bad player. I just don't think he's polished yet. Oh, he's very, very raw. Yeah, as he strikes out on a pitch that yeah. probably had no business swinging at in the first place. Uh, but yeah, so Lesmus Diaz gets us back in the ball game. We're at least one down. So 4-3 for the Orioles right now. And each team has six hits and no errors. So yeah. um, it's been a, it's another good game for us, at least, on these on the game casters, right? So it's a little more offense than the last show. <laughs> but we ended on the highest of high notes the last one when we did the Montreal game. You it couldn't have asked for a better ending at that point, right? I mean, yeah. that's storybook. Yeah, and every it's on everyone's mind, and we've talked about this. And I, I know a lot of people are really trigger happy when it comes to bringing Vlad up. I'm just like, you gotta be patient. Like I, I know it's exciting, but like, hey, if it's so exciting and you really want to watch Vlad. Watch some Fisher Cats game. <laughs> and, and that's exactly it. They're not yeah. too hard to find. <laughs> no, download the package and watch them play. It's actually a pretty yeah. cheap package, too. I, I think I pay a whole $30 for the whole season, and I'm watching any minor, any minor league game I want. Yeah. So it, it's not much, yeah. especially if you already are paying for the, minor, the MLB TV thing. So yeah. they give you even more of a discount. But yeah. um, and, and in all reality, right now, the Fisher Cats are the freaking uh, the bell of the ball. <laughs> they got every freaking prospect you can think of in our minor league system. Um, and a lot of guys that I thought were probably even ready for a bigger challenge, but because of the depth that the uh, Blue Jays brass is built up at AAA, ready to be that MLB talent, um, those guys got pushed back a little bit. If you were going to tell me that Loris Gurriel wasn't going to be the opening day shortstop for the Buffalo Bisons two months ago, I would have laughed at you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, are you surprised with how quickly they reestablished the depth? Like, I know Vlad was—I <clears throat> I, want to say that was like Alex's parting gift. 
Yeah. Right? Like, he, he's responsible for having him in the system to begin with. But at the same time, like, I just feel like the narrative was was driven by, like, oh, there's nothing left in the minor league system. And then two years later, we're like, oh, <laughs> like, you know, we have a lot to look forward to. To me, that just goes to show you how quickly they, re, you know, restocked that depth. Yeah, and I think a lot of that was um, what they did was they trade all the high-end stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's not saying that the Anthopolis era completely emptied the cupboards, and that's what kills me about these conversations with people about that whole topic to begin with. You didn't trade Sean Reed Foley. You didn't trade John Harris. You didn't trade a lot of these guys that were the next level down. You traded all the guys that were AAA ready and almost major league ready to get the right. David Prices, the Tulowinskis, and whatnot. You showcase Miguel Castro to the point where he's already been cut for the two teams that <laughs> he's been on since. So it's just how it is. It's baseball for you. But um, those guys are now in double AA, A, triple A that were, you know, at the low end of the system when all those trades happened. And then they've done a good job of filling around that, bringing in the, you know, drafting Bo Bichette, all those other guys that have been in the system, the TJ Zoix, the. Uh, the guy pitching for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats today, Canadian Jordan Romano, is going to be a good pitcher, I believe, too. So there's a lot of these guys that are just sprinkled throughout the system, and now it's just they're, there's a logjam. It's kind of ridiculous the amount of depth. and uh, It's like a depth chart that changes by whoever the hot hand is. It's John Axford pitches strike two. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um yeah, what do you think about that whole thing? Because this is just one of those things I just I was shocking to see, but like I said, it's just not only is it the quick retooling of the system, but the amount of talent they raked in. Yeah, and I, I think it's fair of your assessment about how like the narrative or the perception was always the the coverage were bare, and you're right, it probably wasn't. But you know, the layman here. Oh yeah, uh, the casual fans are looking at what's immediate, right? What's coming up for Triple A? What what's next in line? Not what's a couple of rows and you know tears down. Um, How are you going to help me now, right? <laughs> exactly, right. And and if that's the case, that the, it's so well stocked now, and if the pace is what we think it will be this year, and the Blue Jays are in the wild card conversation, or even make it to the wild card game, look. I regard the wild card game as a postseason game. I know a lot of people don't. Hundred percent. I okay. So if that's the case, since Anthopolis made that trade, you're going two out of three years in the postseason. That's impressive. There's a reason I made that bold statement earlier about 2021, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't seem too far out of reality for me and a few other people, but. Um... You can go on and put me on record on that, and you can back to the future fail me when it doesn't happen for the Cubs, too. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's surprising because I remember I was uh, at my old job. I was working at a restaurant in 2013, and I was listening to um, uh, What's the Afternoon Baseball Talk with Jeff Blair. Oh, uh, uh, I, honestly, I only listen to it a Baseball handful Central. of times. Baseball Central, yep. Yeah, all right. So at that time, his co-host was uh, Hayhurst. Mm-hmm. It was Dirk. And Dirk, I remember that year, that's when um, Brett Wallace was on the Astros, and they were just terrible. And I remember oh, yeah. Brett Wallace, there's another guy that was like the next guy in the Blue system. <laughs> he actually came back through the system. Um, yeah. And later, but regardless, I digress. I remember Hayhurst was like, watch out for the Astros in years to come. Just watch out. 
and I just always stuck with me. And then not five years later, they're they're defending a World Series title. Like yeah. that to me, and you might be right when it comes to this Blue Jays team with this this depth that they have. And like I said, maybe it's because I do have the microscope looking at everything every day as uh, we just watched Tim Beckham uh, take a heck of a foul ball off his front foot. Yeah. <laughs> Been there, done that, and I was in a walking boot yeah. for about two months. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, oh, Diaz. <laughs> yeah. So it's just as much as we were praising Diaz a few minutes ago, he was a little that you got to watch the ball all the way to your glove. Axford <laughs> just doesn't care. Like, yeah, <laughs> that strikes me as John Axford's uh, opinion on a bunch of things. Yeah. You know, I miss his shark take days with the pirates and having that awesome <laughs> gnarly Raleigh fingers mustache, but not, I'm happy. He's got the 77 blue Jay thing on and everything like that. He's kind of living a childhood dream. So you got to respect that. But, oh, yeah. um, back to what we were saying though, on the minor league system stuff, just to put a bow on it. The the talent is just continually coming through the door. And it's going to be interesting to see because they're going to get a decent draft pick this year, too. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what more kind of talent flushes into the system. And I think a lot of it's hitting at the raw, at the, all at once for them on the minor league teams. I was surprised that um, they let TJ Zoic actually stay with the Dunedin Blue Jays after winning a co-championship. <laughs> been with them last yeah. season, uh, but that's because there's just so much depth at the New Hampshire Fisher Cats level. They just there's like you know what you're good there to start the season season, and they uh, brought in Nick Tepish again for what I thought was uh, oh we're just gonna have errors all around. I'm glad he got at least one out of that, and Gobe yeah. did so. But they brought in Tepish just to be a, like we were talking about with Maley possibly just that placeholder to go. You know what we just want to make sure you're 100 percent ready for it before we move you up. So. I think that touch at some point is going to go, and then that Zoic is brought up to the Fisher Cats. But that that whole rotation is just insane in New Hampshire, and same thing with the Dedean Blue Jays. So it's just continual all the way down to the system at each position. If you would have told me that we were going to start with the uh, more or less the AAA uh, Bisons this season, I probably would have been okay with it for a lot you of the positions. That. Yeah, because there's a lot of guys, a lot of guys. Yeah. So, do, do you think that if Anthopolis were to have stayed instead of uh, Atkins, because remember they offered him the job, mm-hmm. they said we want you to stay. So if if he stayed, do you think the system would be as well stocked? Because the reason why I ask you that is, first of all, a lot of Blue Jays fans, maybe not anymore, but at least like in the initial stages of Shapiro's uh, tenure, um they were really missing Anthopolis. And, I, and when you do some reflection, you ask yourself, what really did he do? Now, he got rid of the Vernon Wells contract. That was amazing. He that was did the bring biggest in, thing. Yeah, he brought in Troy Tulewski. He brought in um, uh, David Price. And he had um, he made the Brett Laurie trade, got rid of Markham. Great. But like in terms of... The youth and the system. There's another base hit. Yep, and Adam Jones is going to come around. Or actually, sorry, that was Beckham that came around, didn't it? Yeah. Yep. So There's anyway, the Adam Jones. Up yeah, he does. He's yeah. like Adam Jones got a lot skinnier. Yeah. <laughs> look so. at the system. His like, he. I just don't feel like he was that great at, you know, drafting and acquiring young talent. Like when you look at the players that 
sure there are still some that are, are leftovers right in in the regime like the the youth hybrid yeah. is still sort of there but i just don't feel like it was as prevalent with him as it is with this regime i think they the, the new regime is full-on making a focus that this is one way we're going to sustain being a solid play team right, right. so um, they want to be, like I said, they want to, they want to build a juggernaut. They want to be in the playoffs every year. And the way you do that is you have a continual pipeline to the major leagues. And this is the thing that the Yankees and all the big teams have ignored for so long. And why I see a general shift across major league baseball to looking at their minor league system. You know, we saw it with the Royals when they won the world series. That mm-hmm. team was pretty much fully built internally, <laughs> you know, with yeah. a sprinkling of free agents on top of that. So, I just think that um, what I think look at this happened, page. yeah, they're going to take an extended look at that. Is that's going to hurt? Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But go ahead. Um, yeah, no worries. And in all reality, that was something that should be talked about too, because those swings and hits right on the hand like that. Oh, right on the knuckle. Yeah, that's uh, that's broken fingers waiting to happen. I just hope that he can, uh, yeah. especially for a catcher. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's Trey Mancini. I'm sorry. I thought it was uh, Caleb Joseph. Yeah. Um, but um, Mancini, uh, that's his club hand. So yeah. unless he's planning on DHing the rest of the game, I'd be very surprised to see him uh, not retreat to the bench on this one. But, yeah, I, I think what, as far as Anthopoulos' tenure to the Blue Jays, you know, general manager, I think he got better at drafting th- okay. throughout his uh, career. A lot of his early picks didn't pan out. And I don't know if that's just because he learned from J.P. Riccardi, which who was awful, the oh, drafting yeah. talent, um, and and then even retaining it and developing it. You know, we, we saw see what the the biggest disappointment of the Riccardi era is Eric Thames, right, or Travis Snyder. Travis Snyder, um, oh, who was who was the other guy that was like highly touted? So, it might but have been Wallace, yeah, and, and Wallace was one of the guys that they brought in, but. Um, just even looking at Eric Thames, he's a Major League Baseball player with what we were talking about is the resurgent Milwaukee Brewers, and he's a big part of that team. He was forgotten about, yeah, <laughs> you know. How much so that has to do with his time in Korea? It could be, but he had the talent the whole time is my thing, and they didn't know how to unlock it in Toronto is my point. Mm. You know what I mean? It's it's developing players and making them comfortable, and that's what why the what we were talking about with the Black Guerrero, Boba Shet, and all so on and so forth is so critical. So you can't break them. You want them to yeah. you want them to succeed and have some bumps in the road, but you don't want them to feel failed or left out. For sure, for sure, and. You know, I think that you're right when you say that this regime is making it a point to build a sustained, you know, sustainable winner, uh, sustained success throughout. And, you know, you're certainly seeing that the fruits of that labor, of their labor, rather, with Cleveland right now in a way. Oh, yeah. I feel like Anthopolis, like, granted, he wasn't the GM for the Dodgers, but, like, I I don't know how much of his influence was really prevalent. So, like, I kind of give him a pass there. But with, with Atlanta, it's going to be interesting to see what he does because, to me, he's more of a you stockpile these assets to liquidate, to yeah. use this capital. Whereas I feel like that is not what's going on with Shapiro and Atkins. They're like, you stock the players so you're overstocked, so you're covered if something happens. Yeah. And as Mancini must have found a way to numb out his hand for a second here, he gets a single. 
So it was runners on first and second as an Axford's been laboring in this inning. So, yep. um, but on that note, I, I honestly think Anthopoulos has the nice thing that he's got a clean slate to work with. And I do agree that he sees them as assets. And I don't, and I think anybody that's not looking at, at the general manager level for an organization, not looking at minor league players as assets like that to be traded to an extent is failing somehow because you never know what's going to happen with a prospect. I'm not, I, I don't think that like you have your guys that are your standout players, like what we've been seeing with Vladimir Guerrero, Anthony Alford and Boba Shett. Those kind of guys are just the toppest of top tiers, right? The near, I can't almost barely miss with these guys, but then there's those middle guys like, but uh, in all my opinion, I think that's what Anthopolis really did trade. And just because they happen to be the top prospects in our systems, everybody thinks that. And nobody's fooling me that Daniel Norris right now can't pitch his way out of a brown paper bag. <laughs> so, um, and I think I mentioned this to you right now, the best pitcher for the Detroit Tigers that they got for David Price is Matt Boyd. And he was the mm-hmm. throw-in guy. Yeah. So... I, I just think that's you got to have that knowledge of your system, and I think he does get that to a point that he knows what guys to hold on to, and he knows what guys he should ditch. My biggest thing is right now with the Blue Jays is we know we're thin, we were thin, so you better be hoarding. Yeah, no, it's it's true. I don't necessarily have a problem with liquidating the talent for like something that is at least on paper better. But at the same time, like, I, and I get that it's an error of judgment to say, you know, oh, look at the R.A. Dickey trade. I hate looking at things <laughs> in a vacuum and making that, like, the outlier for Anthopolis's tenure here. I, I, you, it, GMs are going to make bad moves. It's just going to happen. Like, whatever. It's fine. Like, look at Morales. Like, this oh, yeah. bad move. It was a bad signing. I get it. We can talk about it up and down. And we're going to live with it. <laughs> yeah, you got to live with it. It's just what you do. Like I, I is anybody missing Travis Darno? Because I'm not. Like no, and in all reality, the only reason that that Dicky trade gets amplified is because Syndergaard has been so good for the Mets. Exactly. So yeah. if that wasn't happening, like what we were just talking about with the David Price one, then that was a hell of a flyer. <laughs> yeah, that could have been a little uh, ninety feeter right there. The yeah, play. that was a nice play by Maley to get up, uh, get out of his seat really quick. <laughs> yeah, I thought that had net written all over it. Nice. And we saw this in the game the other night, though. The pass ball for Russell Martin. That ball ricochets off that brick wall at Camden Yards really hard. So if it hits that brick wall, you can almost try and make a play out of it. Yeah. So. Nice pitch. Yeah. So as Alfred, or Anthony, or, yeah, I'm thinking minor league baseball, John Axford. <laughs> <laughs> um, evens out the count with 1-1 with two outs and runners on first and second. He's digging in against Jonathan Scope, who, uh, as we I had at least mentioned earlier, is having a very Krychuk kind of like beginning of his season. Mm-hmm. He's had a couple of big hits, but other than that, he's been two fourteen at the moment, and that's mostly because he's two for three tonight. <laughs> so I got one question for you, and I wanted to ask this earlier while we were talking about Krychuk. Do you think we're ignoring? Uh, what is happening with Devin Travis because Randall Grychuk is off to such a slow start? Uh, <laughs> Just to see if I can pull the number because I'm pretty sure Travis is on the Travis has got a 
batting average right now. I think it's a little more forgivable because I think the the perception is he needs to sort of get his legs underneath him, him mm-hmm. and Travis. But after so such a, a monster spring, though, that's my worry. As as Alfred uh, Axford, God, I'm going to keep doing that. It's going to be a Casey Jansen <laughs> thing all over again. <laughs> uh, gets out of it. So uh, we still got a five to three ball game as the Blue Jays come to the plate. Um, it's I, okay. You get, you get two more than you did. Biggest Three thing I think play. is um, it's yeah yeah Travis has played in just nine games, thirty four at bats, but he has just three hits. And like I said, maybe it's just me, but it's in that same ballpark of uh, everybody's looking at Grychuk. But the same thing's happening over here with Devin Travis. I think it's because we've seen the potential of Devin Travis. We've seen what he can offer, and when he's and notoriously, he's like a month of May sort of player to sort of get the ball rolling. I remember last May he was he was really good, and you know mm-hmm. that is until he got hurt. But um, I just think that we're familiar with him and Grichuk being a, a new face. So the new guy gets no pass. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. And I think it would be the same thing with Curtis Granderson too. Like if he was struggling as much, he would probably be getting a lot of the. Uh, yeah. A lot of the displeasure as well. Like, think about how we were with Morales last year. Oh, yeah. Like, it, and it was amplified by the expectations of filling Edwin's shoes. So it, it's it's sort of like, hey, you're new to us. We are unfamiliar with you. Fairly or unfairly, we expect a lot of uh, a lot from you from the beginning. And I think that's, just, that's definitely a Toronto thing. Yeah, I agree with you on that point. That's a very good point. And uh, thank you for making that one. Because <laughs> um, yeah. my, my biggest worry is that... Uh, Maybe because I've seen so many health issues, as much as I do love Devin Travis, and I think he's, when he's healthy, he's one of the best second basemen in baseball. But, mm-hmm. that being said, is he healthy right now, is my worry. I haven't seen any signs, um, but he's swinging and missing at a lot of weird pitches. Well, this is, alright, so like, I think in any sort of sport, I think this is especially true with um, with football, but... I think spring training, you, it's. I know you said he was playing well in spring training, and he was, but we've talked about this. Like, it's, it's not spring training. the best way to measure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you have to understand that they're playing against, at times, like, minor league talent, and they should be raking. So, like, you can't really extrapolate how a player is going to do in the regular season by their spring training numbers. So I still think there's an adjustment period that Devin Travis has to go through until he quote unquote gets right. And I think that's what we're seeing. And I'm, I, I think in, if he's like this still in a month, then we should be concerned. And I think that's also still fair for Grychuk. Like again, the same logic has to apply objectively but I think the reason why people are, aren't giving him enough slack is because he's new. Valid point. So, Curtis Granderson just took a heck of a curve or a slider yes. there for a uh, swinging strike. And honestly, I don't have too much uh, info on this pitcher for the uh, <laughs> Orioles at the moment. Blyer? Is that his put name? it in the Google machine? Uh, I'm just trying to pull it up on MLB.com right now. Okay. So, Richard Blyer... And apparently he's a high rate draft pick. He was a 2008 183rd round or 
183rd overall pick for the Texas Rangers, and he's just kind of bounced around. He was a New York Yankee for a little while. He was with the Baltimore Orioles, the Rangers. So, um, but yeah, honestly, I just didn't notice him last year when we played the Orioles at all. So he was he threw 63 innings for the Orioles last season. <laughs> it was really good. Look at that. Well, Darren O'Day is in the the bullpen right now, and we're not unfamiliar with him. So yeah, and bad. we've uh, well, our biggest threat against him, you know, in the whole <laughs> chirp yes. battle is uh, now currently sitting on the free agent wire, Jose Bautista. But um, I, I would really wish the Blue Jays would get something going this inning because this is the meat of the order, and they, um, they at least need to put a little mini rally here again, so that together, so that something can happen in the ninth. Um, otherwise, you're going to be having right now on this current projection. If you have three outs, the next inning as well, you're going to have Diaz, Mele, and Cope pitching or hitting in the uh, ninth inning. So it'd be nice to see him get something going and rocking a little bit here. I would wager a million dollars that they're going to be pinch hitting for probably two of those guys as they did come up in the ninth. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And but th- now is the time they have to capitalize on it and. And um, this is going to be a heck of a play by Machado if this happens to hold. But unfortunately, it's Justin Smoke running. <laughs> play right there. Yeah. That was a nice jump throw. Yep. Um, so, but going back to O'Day, do you think that a lot of the sizzle from the Orioles series and the Rangers series, like the two consecutive series that we've been experiencing right now, the sizzle is kind of gone because Bautista is not there to sort of poke the bear? I definitely will agree with that. I haven't seen these little, like, uh, uh, chirps or anything going from dugout to dugout or anything. It kind of settled back into more Major League Baseball shenanigans, I think. Yeah. It's kind <laughs> than of like uh, the rival. The world. That's it. Yeah, and that's, that's never going anywhere unless he goes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. so, uh, another out, smoke on the ground out, and a beautiful jump play by Manny Machado at shortstop. And that's why he's playing shortstop now. Yep. yep. <laughs> So, Younger Slarte is in the bat, who's at 1-0 count, and he has popped that thing extremely high in the air to second base, and this is going to wrap the inning. So, unfortunately, that little mini rally that we were at least hoping for is going to have to be at least put on hold for an inning, and we'll have Steve Pierce, Pilar, and Grychuk that next at bat. So, my guess is that Axer doesn't come out for another inning. No. So, um, I don't know if anyone. Pen. Who would you like to see in this situation? We're down by a couple. Do you think this is, is this something that you're hoping to just nail the coffin down for an inning and maybe bring in Ryan Tepera? It's so tough because like I like him in the eighth, and that's the catch. Like, yeah, I would hate to see them bring in like Tim Mesa right now. Just I, brought I just brought him up. up. I, I didn't. That was my nope. catch. I don't know who they're bringing in, but I would just see an Axford. Uh, labor in that last inning. He threw a lot of pitches. I wouldn't be pushing him back out there another inning, but because um, this almost feels like a Tyler Clippard moment to me, but the problem is well, last season I have a gripe with uh, watching him in the Yankees, and this is the inning that things would get out of hand with Tyler yeah. Clippard. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. But never know. But Maybe we should just talk about this because we might not see him tonight. Roberto Osuna hit a milestone last night. He's a record holder in Major League Baseball lore now. 100 games, and he was the quickest to get to that number. Yep. So, and youngest. (laughs) Um, How, I know 
we feel like uh, Roberto Asuna has been playing for a million years now, but in all reality, he was a non-roster invite in 2015 <laughs> that just happened to make the opening day uh, roster after impressing everybody. Starting Same, off in single A. Yeah. Exactly. He was a Vancouver Canadian to start off his... Uh, or to finish his 2014 season, and uh, he was actually just getting over Tommy John surgery prior to that. So this is an extended thing. That was one of those things you never would have thought. I made a goof when Stroman went down. That would have been nice to see him as a starter that year. Mm. <laughs> I just figured, what do you have to lose? It's a fifth starter, like our conversation earlier. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, touche, touche. So I, I, I do remember. 2015 when he first came up uh he came up i want to say with castro he did if i'm not mistaken yeah and castro was the closer for a little bit in the beginning of the year and he was throwing gas and i was like oh man castro's the guy and then he started throwing wild and osuna just came out of nowhere but the thing is about osuna is that his pedigree speaks for himself like if i'm not mistaken he was pitching, you know, quote-unquote big league games when he was like 13, 14 years old. Oh, yeah. The experience level is just insanely leaps and bounds above everybody. And yeah. um, as we go, oh, yeah, or oh, no, I guess would be the which one we're going to see tonight. <laughs> Sam Jones yeah, steps yeah. in. Um, to answer our other question, I was honestly hoping that it wasn't going to be oh at the moment just because the game is so close at the moment in his last rough yeah. outing. I think he's going to be a solid cl- or a player for us one way or the other, but I think he still hasn't found his footing after a brief spring training and whatnot. He's still working on things, you know. And that was yeah. a nice pitch to Adam Jones he got on right there, too. So, nice slider on the outside. But back to Asuna, just the fact that, like you said, he was pitching high-end games as a youngster. And the Blue Jays yeah. saw this and were like, you know what? Let's roll the dice, see what happens. And now we have one of the premier closers in the game. <laughs> it's just it's just the fact that we even have a homegrown closer still boggles my mind a little bit. We've gotten comfortable with it. This is his fourth season. It's almost so, forgotten. This may be a little controversial, but historically, how long do those closers last? Historically, you know, the high end, obviously, is Mariano Rivera. Right, and that the other low ends on that are like the Brian Wilsons of the world. Yes, yes. <laughs> I honestly, I like the stuff. If you were going to give me a list of closers that were going to start three, four years ago, being or still be closers three, four years from now, that are playing Major League Baseball in the age range of Osuna, I would still feel very comfortable mm-hmm. about him. Okay. I, I just think his stuff, and like you said, the pedigree to a point. He has that work ethic that he wants to be that guy. He loves and relishes this closer role. You see it. He almost gets lackadaisical when it's not a uh, high-tense situation. and That's when uh, he lets a little run bleed in here, bleed in there, <laughs> you know? Right. So. I don't, I'm not advocating a trade or anything or getting rid of him. I'm just like, I feel like shelf life of a, of a closer is so minimal now and like it's very rare do you see one consistently on top of your game and when we talk about you know the pedigree of him and the experience yeah it's valuable but at the same time the flip side of that coin is there's a lot of miles on that arm now like true even before his tenure as a blue jay 
but it was during his you know formative years, so it might not be that detrimental. But again, you said Tommy John, which I guess isn't really a big deal anymore anyway. Like people are voluntarily getting Tommy John. So <laughs> oh, it's only got a little tiny a little thread is missing. Oh yeah, it gets rip, rip it up with the cadaver one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. as uh, Pedro Alvarez rakes in a double here to right center field, uh, yeah. just uh, just out, out of reach from Grychuk, and uh, maybe if he was playing in the no doubles defense, this is caught. But in this situation, you're not. But like I was saying, worried about, oh, this is kind of looking like the oh-no moment because that ball was hit pretty hard. So, it wasn't a bad pitch, though. It was not a bad pitch. Alvarez is uh, one of those players that baffles me. And he was so good for a couple of years there with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. And then, Pirates, right? Yeah, and he helped them get to the playoffs a couple of those years with you know McCutcheon being MVP yeah. and whatnot. And he just kind of fell off the face of the planet. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, that was a sneaky pickup by the uh, Orioles, but unfortunately, I don't think they got him too cheap in that equation. No. It was cheaper than uh, what he wanted, yes, but um, it's probably more than what he's been giving them in worth back at this point. Exactly, yeah. But as far as the Osuna thing goes, though, so to me, it sounds like you're worried about like it falling into being like a Trevor Rosenthal for the Cardinals ballpark. Yeah. He was good for yeah. so many years, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's got nothing left. <laughs> I'm not worried necessarily about him having nothing left. I'm more worried about, like, do you strike while the iron's hot? Because closers, the longevity of them are suspect. So do you, you know, maybe not this year, but next year or when he's, like, starting to hit arbitration, which I believe starts next year, uh-huh. do you strike while the iron's hot and make a move? Yeah, so, and I and I could see what you mean on that. If you're selling high on the closer like that, you're going to get a heck of a, a King's Ransom back in return. <laughs> so, um, as far as these conversations go, though, with these closers and whatnot, how many closers, well, how many pitchers become closers at the age where Asuna did, too? True. Touche. Yeah. <laughs> so I maybe that's just the me. Like I said, I'm, I always got to play devil's advocate in our conversations. <laughs> no, no, yeah. So exactly. That's why you and I click so well. We push yeah. each other. But um, on the Asuna thing, I think he's only, what, 23? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, 23. According to MajorLeagueBaseball.com, yeah. he is 23. Yeah. So I, I thought that's what it was because I could have sworn he was only 19 in 2015 when we yes, won yes. when we won so he threw 70 innings that year he threw 74 in 2016 64 in 2017 and it Basically. like you said it's a lot of, a lot of innings but this guy has done nothing but produce now last year was his worst season and that was after having a more or less a rocky start well, he was dealing with some anxiety issues too, and you yeah. know, I, I don't, I don't discount those or minimize them at all. Like I, we talked about this earlier in the show. Like it's definitely something that players are human. You have to be, you know, sort of sensitive toward, towards it. But yep. I don't know. I, I just feel like they're closures. I feel like are completely different animals to relievers. Like I don't, I know they're in that relief pitcher like category, like in the bullpen. But at the same time, like there's a huge difference to me between. A relief pitcher and a closer. Yeah. Relief pitchers to me are like dime a dozen. Like mm-hmm. sometimes they work, sometimes they like 
Brett Cecil is the prime example of that. Like, it was almost <laughs> every other year. How many times could you go up and down? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you unfortunately, know? Adam, we might be looking at one of those dime a dozen things as we uh, unfortunately have O with runners on first and third now with only yep. one out. So I hope that's not the case. But then again, they did get him relatively cheap for a two-year deal. So... Like I said, it might be oh no at the moment, and I hope he figures it out, but Tim Meza is on the bullpen ready to warm it up at the moment. And you don't want that. I'm happy with Tim Meza. I just didn't know if it was his position to start this inning against uh, Adam Jones and everybody else. So he's a lefty. Right. I, and um, honestly, right. I think he's probably coming in to – I forget who's coming up. But it wouldn't surprise me if it's a lefty because Tim Meza has – crushed left-handed pitch hitters so um and he's got some really good stuff i really like what he brings to the team like i said i was just a little surprised in this moment in the ball game where you're trying to make sure this is only a two-run lead mm-hmm. and a lot of that's because i'm worried about like i said what we have potentially coming to the plate in ninth inning exactly yeah i will this is my make or break moment in the game and oh does get a fly out in gope now so we got two he might get out of this, and I might okay. be feeling him a little bit more, oh, yes, in about two seconds. <laughs> How about just like, eh, oh, eh, yeah. Uh, no. Like, like, well, the pitches weren't bad. That's the thing. Like, uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Why not? I, 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 I'm, like I said, I assume he's going to figure everything out, and he's going to be a good pitcher. I don't see him falling into the uh, dumpster dive pitches, pictures we picked, picked up uh, before last season. <laughs> so, yeah, no. um, I, I like I said, I was honestly surprised that O fell to us more or less because he was signed with the Rangers, failed his physical. Right. Yeah. Or they I saw mean, something I, they didn't like. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little concerned after mm-hmm. that, you know, with the physical. But yeah, he's look the guy's in outstanding shape. Like he's built like a horse, man. Like I would not mess with him. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally not. And Honestly, right now, it just looks like um, his pitches are moving so much, he might not know where they're going yet. <laughs> right. And unfortunately, a couple of them are left over the plate. That was a nice pitch to Gentry right there. Yep. So, like I said, I think he's going to be okay, but I was kind of hoping at this high leverage moment that it wasn't going to be him out of the bullpen. But right. maybe this is Gibby trying to give him uh, some extra confidence. Yeah, why not? I mean... I don't want to say this is an inconsequential game because, like, all games mean something. Like, I, that's my biggest pet peeve about people with baseball. Like, oh, it's the beginning of the year. These games don't mean anything. No, they do. They do. Because if at the end of the game, like... At that's the, the reason the game, we lost last year. Yeah. If, if, yeah. If we, what was it? The first ten games, it was one and nine we started with? Like, we only back. won four games or five games in the month of April last oh. year. And then, no, yeah. oh, there he goes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Strikeout. So, but last year, we had an abysmal April, right? We were 500 for every other month except April last year. So yeah. if you're talking to the point, that's the difference between being a playoff team last year or not. It really is. Yeah, you're, you're right. And it's. And it was because that if you could have gotten to the point where you were even 500 last year, the mood in the dugout would have been different, da, 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 so on and so forth. You could have had a few extra bleeder games that you could have been, like, in the 80-win ballpark. 
<laughs> you I know. I want to say that the, there was an article recently or a tweet or something comparing last year's atmosphere in the dugout in the locker room to this year. It's and definitely something like I've been wanting to write about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like night and day from what I remember. It's, you can't compare how much of a polarity it has been. Like last year it was just abysmal, but this year it's just like it's – I mean they're not on fire by any means. They're not having as much of a hot start as the Yank- I mean, the, the Red Sox and the Mets, but – but you are having a good season to start off yes. with in John Gibbons' era instead of yeah. eh, fire. Exactly, yes. <laughs> and I think I've mentioned this to you before, though, as far as things go. If you look at the whole record for the Toronto Blue Jays, we are a 500 team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From day one in 1977, we are a 500 team. <laughs> yeah. So the Blue Jays right now are 8-4, and four, and we might unfortunately be looking at 8-5 and five in the barrel right here right now. But... Compared to last season, we didn't get our eighth win, I think, until May. <laughs> so I'll take that all day, every day. So we weren't 500 until this year, come yeah. 2016. Like, come on. Exactly. And that's not how you build a winning team. But we all know last year was a flawed team. And we filled in where we could this year for the uh, right everything. So it's what... It's what wins teams, you know, wins games. And um, I quote CEO Gaston, you don't need to win every ball game. You need to win series. And yes. right now, that has been fully down to a D, what the Toronto Blue Jays have been doing. You need to at least split a series to if you want to make the playoffs. Yeah. Like I said in the beginning, like, if we split and or take two out of three, you know, well, and take two out of three out of series, like the majority of them, that's a, I don't understand how that's not a playoff team. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely a team that we can be proud of. Like, that's that's okay. You don't have to I, – I feel like in the beginning of baseball season, people are still in this, like, football or basketball mentality that, like, consecutive games mean something. Mm-hmm. They really don't in baseball. Like, you don't have to sweep teams all the time to be considered a successful team or a good team. I think a lot of that's how those other sports are played, too. Hockey, football, and uh, basketball. You're not usually playing the same team for an extended amount of time. No, not at all, right. You know, the closest thing that I can think of is a comparison in hockey. You will sometimes, like, play the – I'll give you an example. The Toronto Maple Leafs and the Buffalo Sabres, my team, they just – they'll play a Friday night game at one place and they'll flip for the Saturday night game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not yeah. that's really and I know they do that in basketball and everything else too so it's just you know the schedules are laid out a lot different where you're not used to these quote unquote series and as Steve Pierce takes ball one and a one two count now so yep. it's just how it is yeah how often do you see in football like and even in basketball like it's it happens but it's rare but no more than two times. Like, but in football, I don't think it happens at all. Like, how how often do you see a team play the same team twice in a row? It, you don't. I don't think in it football happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the only close thing you get on in football is that you get the teams are in your division. You are guaranteed to play twice a year, but they're never consecutive. Yeah, never it's usually play. one at the beginning right. of the year and one at the end of the year, exactly. and then you have some filling teams in the middle. But so I just happen to be looking at the standings so far this season and the Blue Jays only have three teams with a better record at this second in all of the American League. And that's the Boston Red Sox, the Los Angeles Angels, and the reigning World Series champion Houston Astros. Mm-hmm. 
The Yankees are a mere five and six so far. We're eight and four. Red Sox are nine and one now, though. Yes, they are. So there's some flip sides to that right now. But um, as far as those things go, if if you were going to tell me we were going to be at that point this early in the season already, kind of like what the dugout I think is feeling right now, I don't think they probably thought that either. I don't think Steve Pierce thought he would ever make connection with that pitch either. So (laughs) I don't think he did either. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, you're right. If the optics mean anything, I would never have guessed that we would be starting the season this, uh, you know, successfully. And moreover, I think the the Yankees' lack of success is amplified more than the Blue Jays' Mm -hmm. amount of success. Yeah, because everybody thought they were going to be the you know the titans of the American League, and right now that doesn't even look like they can even figure out how to do anything. They're one day they're doing this wrong, the next day they're doing that. It's nothing consistent. So, I mean that's baseball. Right? Yeah, it's it's you can never, very rarely, if ever, do you know out the gate who's going to be a really good franchise. Granted, like a lot of people thought Boston was going to be good, and they have. They've, they've been playing very well. I think they've only lost one game, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, right, and they might be on the verge of losing their second, but that's still a really good start. Oh, yeah. But again, they could look at their opponents. Who have they played that's been challenging besides the Yankees, really, right now? I think they played Tampa Bay twice. Yep. And Baltimore, I think it was. Um, I want to say they opened the, ser- opened the- um, season up against Baltimore, maybe. No, they at Tampa. Oh, it's Tampa. Okay, maybe they played them after. I'd have to look at the schedule, but, um, but yeah, yeah that. Mean, meanwhile, what have the Blue Jays been doing? We've been staring down the gun barrel. <laughs> you know, this yeah. is the first uh, quote unquote should be win for us, and the Orioles are no slouches in my opinion to begin with because they have the offense. I think they're slouches, man. I really yeah. do. <laughs> I, uh, I it, they, they always just find a way to score runs. And, uh, like Tonight is a perfect example of that, I think. Yeah. It's like how we always lose games to the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> sure, but like, you, you put out Josh Donaldson in this game, or and like you put in Martin in this game to frame pitches and whatnot. I feel like it's a completely different game. True. That could make... Yeah. Def- you yeah. never know what those kind of players are going to bring to it as Pilar stares down a 3-2 count on a ball, ball I thought, <laughs> there. But, oh, well, yeah. is what it is. So, Darren O'Day. hacking right here. No, it's anything close right now. He, I, I wish he would figure out a two-strike two approach because that was a ball, too. Oh, and I think he's going to let the umpire hear it. Yep. He's, you know, I'm not even picking up his bat. <laughs> Just going to leave it on the ground there. Uh that one was one of those ones that I think you have to swing at. And that's the unfortunate thing with, uh, I don't know, never mind. That went a little bit further than I thought. Yeah. You know, the white box thing is always so terrible, but that thing was, by the time it got over to the catcher, it was all the way in the other batter's box. I don't know how the umpire called that strike. Yeah, it's not a strike. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm actually not even sorry. Like, <laughs> You know, maybe it's the direction we're looking at it on television, but to me, that's just, that's outside. Yeah. Yeah, hey, there you go. I still think he might be an inning late, but, uh, and there we go with Randall Grychuk. Uh, that was what ball I think he should have swung at. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, it's frustrating. I know. Yeah. But, but yeah, like we were saying, it's, it's early in the season, but. It is good that we are getting a series win out of this one way or the other. And it was due yeah. to, in no short part to 
Sanchez and Grandy last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think a lot of fans, and I don't mean to pick on people on Twitter like that. It's sort of a futile thing to do, but I think a lot of fans are like, they don't know how to appropriately respond to losses that after like con, uh, two consecutive wins or like a loss, one loss within a series in, in that you're taking. Like it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't, you know, show anything wrong with the team. If anything, it's a good thing. So I, I just, I don't know. To me, it's just Blue Jays fans can sometimes be spoiled. And it's frustrating at times. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, actually, I was talking with Ari Shapiro, uh, Shapiro this morning, and uh, <laughs> he was just saying yeah. the, the buzz around town right now is just insane. As you know, the Toronto yeah. Raptors are just, yeah, <laughs> they're it's just awesome. And the Maple Leafs are in the playoffs again. Yep. So, it, and the fact that the Blue Jays are even getting any press with all that going on is just insane. And I think it shows that, you know, what the push in 2015-2016 did to the talent for baseball. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But, like, uh, you know, it's kind of like when October starts with basketball and the Blue Jays, if the Blue Jays are in the postseason, no one's talking about the Raptors, right? Oh, yeah. And being a, such a long season for baseball and the Raptors and Leafs being so hot right now going into a, a pivotal playoff uh playoff run Mm -hmm. it's not surprising to me that the blue jays are kind of on the back burner right now yep and that yeah i think it's rightfully so but just the fact that they were you know people are paying attention and clearly passionate about it the only thing unfortunately i'm seeing on the blue jays hashtag on twitter right now is that people are loving uh darren o'day's awesome mustache (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) any positives you can get whatever And that never everybody agrees with uh, us that that was not strike three on Kevin Pillar. No, 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 it was not. So, um, but yeah, uh, as uh, Grychuk is, and, and this is one thing that is killing me about his slump. Regardless of the fact that you know you we talked about earlier, he's swinging at some odd pitches. He's been working into these four pitch account or you know at bats consistently, yeah. and it's only a matter of time before something falls and clicks and it. I don't know, maybe it's just this at bat or not, but it looks like he's back into that crouch again. Or maybe it's a little, maybe it's just me. Oh, scissoring one to the right side and contact. He did pretty good to contact the last at bat, too. Uh, I'm just glad he's not striking out. He did his first at bat, I believe, but um, as we're going to see Tyler Clippard come out of the pen here. As we are inching closer and closer to the end of this game. Remember that time we were talking about that? It was really, really quick going. It slowed the heck down these last couple of innings. So, oh, yeah, yeah, we're at two and a half hours right now on our lovely recording here. So it's been good, though. And yeah, we've had a few listeners coming in and out. I'm looking more forward to seeing how this does on our recordings and now that we're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So... But, yeah, it's fun stuff either way. And it's so terrible talking to you for baseball for a couple hours here and there while I enjoy a few beers and some Blue Jays baseball. <laughs> I can imagine. Just wait until it gets nicer, man. I'll be doing these outside. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was saying to Anna. I want to hide in my underground lair in my basement of my house. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So. Yep. Uh, it, it's, it's a 
you know, a weird thing about the season right now because it's still very cold outside and baseball's on. It just doesn't it doesn't sit right with me on the inside at all. Yeah, here in Rochester, it's uh, basically, you know, just so I can humor our Canadian les- listeners, it's zero. <laughs> oh, okay. So, you know, 32 degrees Fahrenheit constantly. We're supposed to get a whole 40 degrees Fahrenheit tomorrow with constant rain for the next two days. And um, I'm just assuming the Buffalo Bisons aren't going to be playing the next couple of days. And they all three games were canceled here in town in Rochester. I was hoping to get into some uh, action at the game there. And no. Couldn't even get over there to even meet a few people I was hoping to get some press coverage with, so <laughs> it was all denied. <laughs> Such a bummer, man. So. Like it's it just doesn't feel right. Like I feel like the warmer weather is coming. I know in Rhode Island here this coming Saturday it will be close to seventy. So that's something that I'm looking forward to, but it's just not coming soon enough. Not even close. It doesn't quite feel like the boys of summer have kicked off yet. So, no. But yep, is what it is. So as they are doing some a nice piece on uh, Roberto Osuna, it looks like on uh, Sportsnet right now. But unfortunately, my audio is turned off because I don't want to get sued for copyright infringement. <laughs> no, I'm with you. it is. It's just slouching on the right now. Yeah. No uh, that's exactly what you need to see. Is a grundlech at the middle. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> a little stretch. And, yeah, exactly. But hey, he knows he's not working tonight. Whatever. Yeah. Back to back games. It's his hundred save. You know, I think he's earned a day off personally. So, my guess would be, especially if this game doesn't get evened up, Ryan Tapera's out in the ninth. That's why we are not seeing him probably at the moment. Okay. Well, Clipper just got one. So. Yep, and that was a quick one too. I love those one pitch outs. It's nice and efficient. It was one of those hits where, like, when you see it, I'm like, oh, that's gone. Oh, no, not even close. Yeah, it's like a fungo bat, you know. <laughs> Just yeah. you flip it out in the outfield, no no pop on it. So, But honestly, as far as Clippard's performance goes so far, yeah, he's played with fire in a couple outings, but he, I think his came as advertised. You yeah. know, he's a solid reliever. He get, eats up innings, and he's going to get you a few strikeouts. What do you think? I think, uh, again, it's really hard to like get good relief pitchers are a dime a dozen. They didn't pay him a lot. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's fine with me. I'm there you okay go. With, you know? Yeah. He was a minor league, uh, invite yeah. that sprung with camp. Same thing with John Axford. So, um, and I, they could, those two moves could be the reason that we are looking back at this season and going, you know what? Those are the things that were the nail in the coffin in that bullpen to make it perfect. Exactly. Yep. So, you gotta take, you gotta play with fire a little bit every once in a while, and um, I think it was a better move than bringing up, uh, bringing up the farm too early. I think Carlos Ramirez is ready though, as far as minor league arms go. But it is good to have these guys, the Clippers and Axfords, come in and make sure before you get too comfy with it. Oh, that was, that pitch had a nice little move on it, and I think he got a nice little gift for a strike call. Yeah, and uh, was it? I can't remember if I was discussing this with you or not, but uh, didn't somebody was recently talking to me about him adding a split to his uh, repertoire? Okay. Um, but, yeah, as far as it goes, if he's added another pitch, that that might be the difference between him being what he was last year with the Yankees and being passed around between a couple of teams and being a key piece of this Toronto Blue Jay bullpen, especially if it's yeah. diving off the plate like that did. That looked like he threw a splitter right there. Yeah. 
So another fly ball out to Kevin Pillar, who is just uh, vacuuming up uh, Clippard heads at the moment. So. Speaking of Pillar, do you think it's now mandatory that instead of eye black, they're wearing like the team logo? I've noticed that in a couple of games too, but I uh, I saw Pillar did that last season too, and I'm wondering if that how much that's a it's freaking freezing out. <laughs> that's true, yeah. I. Maybe those stickers uh, are nicer to have instead of the actual, like, you know, marker eye black. Because all I'm thinking is it's dancing around freezing. Yeah. <laughs> and you got something yeah. liquid on your... <laughs> I think it's honestly... I think Kevin Pillar is one of the more superstitious guys on the team. And he's just been playing well. And he did, must have wore those one of those games. And he's going to keep wearing them. <laughs> I, saw, I saw Solarte do it in the beginning of the year, too. So I just... I don't know if that's an MLB thing that they're mandating that if you're going to wear eye black, you have to wear team logo, quote unquote, eye black. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. It's yeah. just something I haven't really noticed it on any other team though. So to be fair, yeah, Bryce Harper is the only one I can think of that would have a giant gripe with that. We always freaking uh, <laughs> in the summer it looks it's like war paint. Ultimate warrior. Yeah. <laughs> Great reference with Ultimate Warrior there. I, uh, true, I, he's even got the hair to go with it. You know, he just needs yeah. some multicolored uh, bicep bands, and he'd be all set. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that, uh, that's an interesting point. I don't. I honestly, yeah, I've noticed him wearing them, but didn't think anything about that being something that possibly is a mandated thing. But uh, in my opinion, it's just go- if it is something that goes like that, it goes with wearing the uniform properly. As Machado laces one really far foul. Um, the empty bleachers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's not too much going on in Baltimore right now. There's almost as many Blue Jay fans in the stands as there are Orange Orioles shirts. Um, but yeah, and, and maybe it's just because of how wide my baseball upbringing was. Just even seeing the guys having the, the Kendris Morales having the top button on their jersey undone. It's like, are you too fat to wear that jersey? Shouldn't you just get a bigger one? Wear it right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right, yeah. As uh, Clippard gets Matt Machado out on a strikeout, so yep. quick inning for Tyler Clippard, and that's very exciting to see. As we're gonna get probably, yep, we're gonna get the Brad Brock out of the uh, Orioles bullpen, and I believe he is the current placeholder for Zach Britton as a closer. So good to see to him. Be fair, um, Harper does also have his top button unbuttoned. Oh, I agree, and I'm not saying he was wearing his <laughs> right yeah. properly to begin with. Honestly, I'm just so glad I don't have to see, uh, who was it, Mike Napoli anymore wearing his jersey. Yes. Because he was wearing it to the point where he had it like down to his belly button unbuttoned. It's like, dude, come on. Mm-hmm. Just wear it with some pride. Maybe that's just my whole thing with it, you know. So I might not have always been happy with the team I was playing on, but I'm wearing a uniform, and I'm out there representing my team, so... That's just how I always felt like I needed to be wearing it right. Make it look like I belong here, not like some person that was laying outside picking up quarters beforehand. <laughs> yeah, just threw this jersey on. They like, they like to show their chains. I think like that's the, part of it, too. You get the ruined door chain that he, you know, I thought he yep. was going to accidentally hang himself with the bat. And in one of his swings the other night, it got, like, caught up on his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, oh god! I mean, Napoli does the same thing. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's become a since Manny Ramirez really wearing the giant monster baggy pants and stuff like that, and you get the burnout kind of look at the plate. Um, it it got stylized a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Um, but I'm I'm just glad there's not really you know I like I said I made I poke fun at Morales, but um. 
for the majority of the Blue Jays guys wear it like they belong in it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I mean, it's until there's a, a uniform mandate, and let's not forget, like during the summertime, um, there the rule is that all managers have to wear a jersey. None of them follow that rule. Like you see, Gibbons wearing the the the, the pullover thing all the time. Like. <laughs> There are rules that a lot of managers don't follow, so if that's the case, I can see sort of how that might trickle down to some players on your team. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that. But if I see somebody like Bill Belichick with fucking sweatpants on, I'm going to freak out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I apologize for the language on that one, but that one had to be said with a little authority. <laughs> well, I, I, I like, hate, the, hate the Patriots. Yeah. Basically. So, as uh, we are going to get the first out of the inning here, uh, yeah, just, yeah, we're not going to get this inning off to a great start, it looks like. So. This is put up or shut up right now. So, Yep, exactly. So, Elizabeth Diaz takes the pop out, and we're going to hopefully, I would, I'm assuming we're going to get a pinch hitter for Luke Maley. Nope. We're not. Yep. Okay. Um, Gibby sticking with him. I would assume if... Uh, Maley finds a way on that we're going to definitely have a pinch runner, but the problem is right now the bench is a little thin without having uh, Kendris Morales um, and picking up that extra pitcher. So right now the Toronto Blue, Toronto Blue Jays uh, bench right now is the regulars, as in Devin Travis, Josh Donaldson, Rob Martin. So I guess that would explain a lot. And, yeah, like you said, that's a nice hit by Luke Maley, who, like I said, is um, kind of sneaking up on the bat side of the ball lately yeah a little bit he kind of looks like he could be be a genie's cousin <laughs> he kind of does you know? uh same kind of like you know face builds for the most part the ears and whatnot oh, so yeah Devin travis pitch hitting that pitch works hitting. for me and uh that's because they they had to bring in somebody that was a second baseman because mm-hmm. right now like i said the bench being martin and donaldson at this point left. So right now we're hoping that Jeff Devin Travis is, uh, finds a way to get on base and turn the lineup over to Curtis Granderson, who has been kept in clutch so far. So it seems to me that for Martin, his off day is a hard off day. And Devin Travis has a little bit of leeway if they need him. Like that's, I mean, the evidence is showing. Yeah, I, um, I agree with that. And I wonder how much of that's actually just the, the nature of baseball itself, you know, you don't want to pinch it for your catcher and not have another catcher. Right. right. So I, I can understand them not doing that. I forgot that we only have three man bench at the moment, but um, the biggest problem is who you bring in for catcher. If you pinch it with Martin and then something terrible happens. Donaldson. And, and that's the logical move uh, after that, because he used to be a catcher, but I, I fear that, <laughs> that idea. That's the same thing as having Martin play third base last season. <laughs> yeah, Travis flies out to a left center on that one. Yep, and unfortunately, he he got a good piece of that too. Yeah, unfortunately, the thing is, they went right at Mancini, so that would be the catch. Well, no here we pun go. intended. Anderson has a has a chance to tie it up. So, and as uh, they're showing, Curtis Granderson has been the big voice of uh, comebacks. <laughs> There's a chance to tie it up right here. So, and he was had a grand slam. Right? The other night? Oh, no. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I take that back. He's wearing eye black. So that man. I guess we proven wrong. <laughs> he is wearing eye black. So, so. this is a strictly Kevin Pillar thing. Yep. 
the other thing I wanted to mention about that whole maybe it's a superstition thing. Have you noticed that Kevin Pillar taps his head like twice before he gets into the plate? I actually have, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they were talking about that during last night's game. So it was one of those things. I know I used to be one of the guys when I was playing, I'd jump over all the foul lines. If I found something that was working one day, I definitely wouldn't oh, change it. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Playing baseball and hockey growing up, and like I said, I played baseball pretty extensively, at least through high school and partly in my college career. But um, it was for fun. I enjoy it. Now I am a unfortunate fat person that plays slow-pitch softball. I really feel like it because I can't barely run the – 40 feet to first base anymore. <laughs> yeah, there is nothing wrong with slow-pitch softball. Not a thing wrong. I love it, dude. Like yep. I still get in those superstition modes for slow-pitch softball. It's great. I it's you it. fall into your habits, right? Yeah. As yeah, uh, Grandy takes time, the 2-1. Yeah, I was, in a, uh, I was in a slump, and for some reason I pounded two beers beforehand. <laughs> I got out of the slump, so every subsequent game, you pound two beers before the game. Yeah, there you so, go. Yeah. I'm better when I'm drunk. Yes. <laughs> that just sounds me like me a kickball with my friends, but that's besides the point. Well, that, that is purely just a drink. So yeah, and unfortunately, yes, that is the end of the ball game. So Granderson can only come up clutch so many times with a ground ball to end this one. Uh, but at least Luke Bailey gave us a chance. Yeah. So and yes. regardless of all the um, pitching issues that we had at times the the Orioles couldn't capitalize um check this stat out they were a whole six for 14 with runners in scoring position tonight the Baltimore Orioles so that is the Blue Jays pitchers finding a way to get the job yeah yeah it's uh again like we've been saying if you take two out of three in a series this this loss right here I you take it on the chin it's not really a big deal and uh I I'm okay with it yeah the Orioles had 11 hits in this game. Blue Jays still had seven. Nothing to be upset about. Pick yourself up. Move on. Let's go. Exactly. And so they're going to pick themselves up right to an off day tomorrow, and they're going to be heading to Cleveland. Cleveland. So hopefully the Blue Jays' bats will be rocking rather than the uh, Cleveland uh, (laughs) rocking. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But um, let's see who's starting that game because I would guess it's Stroman. And it is so far at the moment, it's going to be Mike Clevenger versus Marcus Stroman for that op- that opener. So, uh, But just to put a bow on tonight, man, um, what started off as a great outing for uh, Marco Estrada fell off the plate a little bit and ended up being, like I said, I still think it's a decent outing. I'm not going to complain. But no. It could have been better after what looked like it was going to be a repeat of what Sanchez. We were talking about that. Yeah, it it certainly could have been better, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's it's classic Estrada where he goes through the rotation. I mean, the the batting order once and they sort of figure him out. It it happens from time to time. Um, not every outing could be playoff Estrada. Not you know. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Um, I'm sure he'll pick himself up, and I don't see this being consequential for the rest of the season or even, like, his next start. I think I think it'll be fine. Exactly. And um, as we had mentioned earlier, that Danny Barnes was probably what could have been the turning point for the Toronto Blue Jays with getting him out of that beginning with the bases loaded um, with a pair of strikeouts and a flyout. So, um, yeah, uh, the rest of the bullpen did halfway decent. John Axford uh, gave up one run, but... I still think that the bullpen is a big untalked about source of 
talent on this team, you yeah. know, and I think that was put on just full display tonight. What do you think? No, for sure. I, I, I think uh, it's definitely something that the Blue Jays will have um, to, to bail them out. Unfortunately, tonight it wasn't, but, uh, you know, I have no complaints. Um, it's better yep. days are to come. That's yeah, for sure. they were definitely in the game tonight because of the bullpen, though, after a definitely. few uh, rough outings and innings and whatnot. So on offense, Elenis Diaz was the big standout with the home run. Uh, but other than that, it was just kind of turning the wheel around, <laughs> you know. Solarte had the other RBI, and Kevin Pillar found a way to get one as well. So there's just enough offense, but like I said, if you if this was a night that you were able to get a uh, better start or something like that. Maybe this would have been a different ball game, but as you mentioned, this is still a series win for the Toronto Blue Jays, who are now 8-5. and five. you have anything you want to add before we uh, wander off for the evening? No, it's uh, just embrace the off day tomorrow. Recollect yourselves, and uh, Cleveland, that's not going to be easy. And that will be a, a true test. I think more of a test uh, than the Yankees were. Um and uh, I know it's really hard to believe given the hype the Yankees walked in with. But at the same time, uh, Cleveland is definitely a tough team. I still think they're, they're the real deal this year. And uh, if the Blue Jays can take that, if they can take the series against Cleveland, we have a really nice season to look forward to. And I would be looking forward to that with the pitching rotation that we got running into them. So that's going to be a nice spot, I think, for, like you said, a challenge for the Toronto Blue Jays, who right. are 8-4 and four and the Cleveland Indians uh, before. Well, 8-5 and five now. I don't know what Cleveland's doing at the moment, but they are currently sitting before tonight's events at 7-5. and five. So pretty evenly matched if you're looking at it on paper. Good pitching on each side. Good hitting. It's going to be an interesting matchup. I agree. Yeah, so, it's a travel. They're in Cleveland. So here's hoping. Let's yep. Game time. So anyway, thank you, everybody, for joining us on the Bird Watching Gamecast. Uh, we're going to have the recording up probably this evening. Um, we'll see how that goes because it's the first time we've recorded one of these things and throw back out on the internet. Um, it will be on iTunes on the, and anchor uh, Google play is coming and hit us up. It's at bird watching GC on each one of those venues. Um, anything you want to add before we go off the air, man? No, just, uh, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, you can hit up my personal Twitter feed at a Corsair 21. Uh, you can, Listen to the podcast that I run, South Six Podcast. Tomorrow night I'll be having uh, a show with Ian Hunter. So we're nice. going to talk all things Blue Jays tomorrow. And uh, next week, if you guys are fans of the Raptors, I'm going to be talking to Max Graham. He's a, a musician and producer, so we're going to be talking all things Raptors. So it should be a good time. Awesome. And then we'll obviously keep you updated here at the Birdwatching Gamecast with your morning mashes during the weekdays of, of what happened previously in the day of Blue Jays baseball on news. And we'll get another live game scheduled shortly. Anyway, Adam, pleasure as always, man. Yeah, same, same. Yep. It was always always a good time. All right. Peace out, everybody, and go Blue Jays. Later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.